This is Cast. All right, are you ready to go? Are you cool for you to start going now? Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. Um, no, get yourself comfortable. I like the laid backness. Sorry if my voice sounds like shit. I had a rough weekend in uh, wherever the fuck I was, Lexington, Kentucky. Oh, what were you doing there? Um, comedy off Broadway. Oh. I have to start by saying you're fucking genius. You, I'm being dead serious. I pull the mic close just so it's okay. close to you. Well, that's a great start. Fucking, <laughs> I, genius. Like oh. so, so I knew I knew who you were. Thirteen years ago. Okay. So we have a connection. A guy named Chris Gillen was a producer on Whitest Kids yeah, You Know. Yeah, Chris. Along with Jim Biederman. Oh my God! Yeah. And I knew the I knew Chris and I were really close friends. Oh, that's awesome. So Chris came to me. He's like, "You got to see these kids. Whitest Kids You Know. You got to see them. They're fucking hilarious." I started watching you guys. I had a spike. I didn't want to like it because I was because I had a show with Biederman and Chris at the same time. Oh, what was the show? It was called White Gorilla. Oh, okay. It was about a gorilla that moves to L.A. to become an actor. <laughs> He's been raised on a, it's, it was a really fucking funny show. It was really racist now that I look back at it, but it was really, it was a gorilla that was raised um, in a sanctuary and taught English. And then the owners, the owner died. Like it could speak or could like speak. sign language? It could, it could speak. It oh. totally could talk. And it, it was like very. Was this it was animated? Like, no, I dressed up as a fucking gorilla. I got That's put awesome. in prosthetics as a gorilla and we shot a pilot for Comedy Central. But at the time you guys were doing Whitest Kids You Know. Right. And. <clears throat> I loved Whitest Kids You Know because it was irreverent as shit. Yeah, yeah, well... It really was. <laughs> it, well, it seemed like... It seemed like you guys were... Like... Anyway, so last night, I go and watch your... One of the videos now, I think has 4 million views on Facebook. More yeah. by more now. Yeah, uh, it's almost com- at five. My computer has... What is his name my, of it? My computer just became self-aware. Yeah. Dude... How do you do that? Oh, it's, uh, I'm glad you liked it. That's How awesome. do you do that? That's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Oh, that's awesome. I'm, uh, I'm being dead serious. Like I thought, like I got it. And this is, I don't hope this, you don't take this as an insult, but like <laughs> little Dickie's Chris Brown video, uh-huh. I fucking loved. Yeah. I loved it. And then but I, when I saw yours, I was like, oh, this is the next level. This is way beyond what little Dickie could do. Oh, that's well, that's very nice of you. That's awesome. I mean, that was just, um, it's so funny because like, you know, so I'll go and do these albums and I'll just kind of sit by myself for like, you know, you work on it for like a year and like, you know, one ever sees it. And then like, you kind of, you know, when it comes out, I'm kind of like, well, I hope people like it. So I've been like, it's been really great. Like in the last three days, it's made like 5 million views and stuff like that. So I'm just super happy about well, that I real just, quick let's talk about what you're doing for comedy central and yep. then i want to start at the very beginning okay because i didn't realize this has been you the whole time that's what my awakening last night was oh this has been trevor's journey like i always thought the whitest kids you know is it's great and everything but this you are a driving force behind your own career since the age of 18 uh well idea yeah, i started a public access yeah let's, but let's okay. let's talk about comedy central thing sure. first so that because i know we want to promote that yeah so what's going on with Comedy Central? So I've got a, a new special um, uh, coming out a Friday, um, April 20th mm-hmm. at midnight. So I guess it's technically the 21st, but um, it's going to be an hour long special. And the last special I did for them was kind of more of a traditional me in front of an audience, you know, singing <laughs> songs and doing yeah. like my music stuff. And this one, they let me do like a linear storyline. So it's all music videos, wall to wall. And then there's a, a story that goes through it where <clears throat> it's my 
my longtime girlfriend uh, is basically drags me to a brunch with her friends and I'm in hell. And so it's just all their kind of conversations are spurning all of these music videos in my head and stuff like that. Um, so there's a lot more production value than just a regular hour special. Yeah. No, there's, I mean, this was just, this is like a little movie. It's, this is like a little, <clears throat> dude, I'm, I can't tell you enough how much that video blew my fucking mind. Oh, that's awesome. The, that, your writing in that is so tight, so compact, so fucking fluid. <laughs> I literally was, I was sitting there going, I and I, my wife was like, I want to watch it. And I was like, you won't get it. <laughs> like when well, you're talking to the Sphinx. Yeah. The Anunnaki. The, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. It's like all my interests, like, uh, the singularity, uh, DMT, um, yeah. kind of, uh, you know, the, the, the idea that we're living in a simulation, like it was just kind of all of that, <laughs> you know, mixed into one thing kind of thing. So. That's amazing. So how did that process with comedy central start? You did the last one and then they wanted to do another one and you were like, did you have to go pitch it? do them differently yeah well i originally when i went when i first started they put out i've put out three albums with them um the first album i did i didn't do a special for i just i self-produced some music videos for mm -hmm. um and then the second time around they were like we'll let you do a special and then i kind of pitched this idea but there uh i think there was a little hesitant at the beginning it was like well let's just do a regular traditional special and so that's what we did and, I, and that was great but then this, the second time around i pitched it uh this again and they were like all right try it so really um yeah and it's been I mean the, the format really worked I really I really like I'm really proud of this one that's coming out and I'm also doing a 24 hour long talk show leading up to it so wait when um, it's starting uh, want to be a guest uh, it's it's starting I'm in fucking Utah this weekend uh, I no, would I, I would love that yeah it's starting Thursday Thursday it's all day Friday so it's Thursday from midnight to Friday at midnight and so it's 24 hour long talk show <laughs> And I'm going to have 24 guests. Um, we're going to, and the goal is we're going to, I'm going to try to solve every problem in the world in the, one day. Nice. So every hour, like the first hour is the Middle East and uh, we're going to take calls and I'm going to try to solve the Middle East problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, the second hour is racism. I'm going to fix racism. Uh, you know, basically just go through everything. <laughs> and, uh, but so that's, and then that'll end when the special like comes on. That's um, fucking great. I, yeah. I don't think that's done enough. The, like the, big promotional stunts, big, like, that was what defined American entertainment in, like, the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Like the telethon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I told Comedy Central when I did that special for them mm -hmm. in 2009, I was like, I want to ride a jet ski from Mexico to Tampa, <laughs> and I want to land right when my special airs, and I want you guys to, I want, and I'll have news crews follow me, and I'll go on the beach, there'll be a TV on the beach, I'll turn it on, and my special air. I'll be like, everyone, tune into Comedy Central. That's awesome. They didn't give a fuck. <laughs> um, well, that's fantastic. Now, oh, let's get back to the beginning. Okay. Because... Here's what I, I found the whitest kids, you know, through Chris and I just figured uh, sketch comedy group. Everyone met at NYU. Uh, everyone's going to be an actor. Everyone will branch off. And, and you're kind of the only one that stuck with it in this in this way in my in my spectrum in sketch well i think the other guys like you know uh zach is on uh, that show wrecked on tbs so mm -hmm. he does um and sam teaches sketch um at the pack theater so everyone's still kind of involved in in comedy like, so you know. but what was your path you started your own public access at 18 no 16 when i was 16 i started a public access show in my hometown of charlottesville which is now famous. Yeah. Uh, that's where I grew up. <laughs> um, and uh, I started a public access show. And, you know, that's this is like 
No one really has the internet at this point. Like people still just. What year is this? You're 37? I'm, I'm 30. I just turned 38. So this is 96. Okay, 96. 96. So there is. So for, for, to put this in perspective, because I remember 96. Mm-hmm. 96, I was still in college. Internet consisted of AOL. You had AOL. Yeah. Um, you had like, uh, not Paradigm, but like something like Prodigy mm-hmm. was the internet. Earthlink. But you could. But. Public access, especially in New York, public access was hot as fuck. Yeah. And and, and in, in other cities, there was as well. And you were 16? I was 16. I started a public access show. Like, I took the class. As soon as I could drive, I took the class that you have to take at public access to be certified to be able to do the show. And so I started doing basically like a regular show with my friends where we were doing sketch. It was a lot of man on the street, a lot of prank calls, like, you know, going out and just kind of trying to find like what I like to do in comedy, like just trying all sorts of different stuff. And, um, and because it's a college town, like uh, the University of Virginia is there, it got really popular. Um, like all the college kids started watching my show. Uh, and they, I, get, I thought it was funny. Like the 16 year old has like a show on public access. And it started like, you know, I, it would get written up in the newspaper for it. It became like kind of a famous You're show. still in high school. And, yeah. And I would get invited to the college parties, which I thought was awesome. Like, you know, like Holy in high school shit. and stuff. And uh, so then... Um, it's almost like it's almost exactly like Wayne's World. There was a, a guy uh, who owned a bunch of Pax TV affiliates. Remember Pax Television? Uh-huh. It was a it was a it wasn't a Christian network, but it was al- it was almost oh, like, I know Pax. Yeah, I know Pax. it was almost yeah. a Christian network. Yeah, it was Pax. very conservative. It was a lot of Touched by an Angel reruns and stuff like that. And so he owned a bunch of those affiliates, and he was setting up a new affiliate in Charlottesville. So he was driving, you know, he was staying at a hotel, and the person who worked the front desk at the hotel, the girl who was working there was watching the public access show. And he started asking her about it. And she was saying that, oh yeah, like this is huge here, like in this town. So he bought it. Like he approached me and he bought the show. And so then when I was 18, I did that for a whole season. And then I got fired because it was too wait, offensive. So wait, what goes into getting your own public access show? You get, you take a class? Yeah. Do you, do you have to pay for the time? Yeah, you have to. No, no, you don't pay for the time, but you pay to take the class. Like, you know, and they teach how you. Much? Uh, I mean, it probably is like $100 or something. Like bucks you take the class, and then how many people are in the class? Is it a bunch of crazies? Yeah, it's, well, it was. Is it like motorcycle class? Yeah, it was, it was, I was the only kid. Like, it was a lot of adults. Um, and it's mostly, public access is mostly like churches. You know, like they kind of broadcast their church services or it's people who come on and do like a weird community talk show where they just talk about like zoning stuff. So it's pretty dry. Where did you get the idea to take? Where did you get the idea to do this? You know, I think it was actually um, if you watch Saturday Night Live in that era like almost every sketch's premise was that it was a public access show. That was their way around saying, you know, that's how they could uh, um, justify these yeah. crazy characters having a show. It was yeah. Wayne's World was that, uh, the ladies' man was that, like basically every everything was, and so as a kid, I was like, well, what is public access? And uh, I looked it up and it was like, oh, anybody can have a TV show as long as you take this class. And does there's no age limit on it. Like oh, you can go fuck. down and have your own show. And, uh, and which now I guess everyone can because yeah. that's YouTube. I, you know, it's so funny as you were saying that I was like, I kind of want to do a public access show, and then in my head I'm like, oh, I, I got one. You have one, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's like, yeah. I mean, now like everyone does it because it's YouTube. Like you ever, you know, uh, you can. Everyone has public access, <laughs> but back then it was, you know, you had to, 
go to this and you had to edit like uh i stopped going my grades went downhill as soon as i started doing public access because like i kind of fell in love with it and i just stopped caring about like schoolwork. Yeah. Oh. by the way by the way i would totally green light that as a parent <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be like i'd be like you know what find what you love do that yeah i mean maybe not maybe not maybe not what, what, do, your, what do your parents do uh my parents my parents were uh christian rock singers uh in the 80s they had like the number two christian rock song in the For country real? yeah so i grew so that's where your music comes from mm-hmm. my mom is like a really talented musician um but um but I grew up on a tour bus till I was eight. Like, so we just traveled around the country and, uh, wait, what's that like? It's, uh, well, it's weird because it never struck me as weird until I got to like high school or college. Like, cause it's just how you, I grew up. So, yeah. you know, it was, you know, it was a lot of sitting on a bus, a lot of long drives, um, you know, playing with toys in the back, uh, kind of a lot of drawing, like you kind of have to keep yourself occupied. Um, Jesus. And a lot of, a lot of faith. A lot. Well, yeah, there's a lot of church going on because, um, you know, we would basically play these mega churches and stuff like that. So every city you're in another, I mean, every night you're in another city playing another show and stuff like that. There's but. a couple I follow on Facebook <laughs> and on Instagram named Kristen and Danny. Mm-hmm. They're, um, they're, a, th- she was like a spokesmodel in LA and he was an actor in LA trying to be a comic. And then they met and then decided to give it up and they go to, they went, moved back to Indianapolis and they do karaoke in their car, but they lip sync karaoke in their car in the costumes. And they have a video that went viral. I think it had like 300 million views. And now they speak at churches huh. and they talk about relationship. Their log line is laughter is the best medicine. Uh, grace, grace and grit. Like I, I, I became obsessed with them. Really? I, I became obsessed with them because number one, the cynic in me truthfully wishes I had faith. Uh-huh. Like I wish I had blind faith the way they do. Right. The way they're like, I look at their lives and it looks so nice. It's just like they Happy. live in... Yeah, they yeah. live in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. They have really great relationships with their kids. They go to church on Sundays. Damn, um, I don't think Danny drinks. She's right. beautiful. She's like really right. just like I mean, I'm sure there's darkness in their lives, but I don't see it. Right. And of and course, just not to be worried about death. That's the th- that's the thing that always is like because that's in everybody's head. Like yeah. you know, worrying about death and to just not have to worry about that in your own mind that just has to free you up so much. Like you know. oh, I would I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> what if, are you an only child? Uh, no, I have a sister. Okay, so you and your sister are on a tour bus. Yeah. Your yeah. parents are writing songs together. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they perform together. And, and you go and you know their songs. Like, could you sing one of their songs right I now? performed with them when I was a little kid, and then I, like, I quit when I was, like, six. I was like, really? I'm done, I'm out. Like, yeah. Really? <laughs> so That's yeah. interesting, because my daughters don't, they don't perform with me, but I talk about them a lot in my act. Mm-hmm. And on Instagram, my daughter had a period party uh, last night. Uh-huh. She got a period. And, and you had a party? Yeah, it's the new thing. Really? Yeah, red velvet cake. I had never heard of it. Pasta that. with red sauce. Are you kidding me? I'm not joking. Everyone wears red. <laughs> I swear to you. <laughs> what? And so, yeah. And so, I put it on Instagram because it's so bizarre to me. Yeah. I put it on Instagram and then I woke up this morning at like five in the morning and I was like, it was in my stories. Girls were getting up for school. Five, 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 four, five, forty-five. And the girls were getting up for school and I said to Isla, I was like, hey, I, that's all my Instagram stories, your period party. I didn't realize you're going to school today. You probably don't want every kid to know you got your period. Right. And I was like, do you want me to take that down? And she was like, yeah. 
she goes, I don't know. I want to be able to see it again, but I don't, I don't want other people to see it. So yeah. I was just like, I'll just delete it because I, don't, I, I I'm, I'm afraid that <clears throat> I've enmeshed my family, and my art too much. Right. Right. But so they, you perform with them and then do you like, are they still, they have to be pretty Christian, right? Yeah. Very, they're are very you? conservative. I'm kind of like agnostic. Like there's, I, I realize that there's no way for me to know. For, to a certainty I want to just be I wish it wasn't looked down upon in Hollywood mm-hmm. I wish it wasn't I wish I didn't have questions I wish that I had blinding faith and like when we were like 16 we were high as fuck on a dock me yeah. and this other kid I won't mention his name because he's very rich and lives in Tampa now and if you grew up in Tampa you know who I'm talking about <laughs> and we were getting high and we were wearing ski goggles and he said what if he goes what if you're just good for this lifetime. You right. get an eternity of happiness. He was like, what if it's real? Like, does it hurt? Just, yeah. And we were high as fuck. And I had a panic attack. I spun out hard. And I was like, oh my God, I'm being bad. I'm, 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 right. I'm asking for eternity in hell. Like, right. was like well, it was a fucked up conversation. But, and they still have, do they still live in Charlottesville? Yeah, they do. Nice. They Where's your sister doing? My sister lives in Chicago. Yeah. Ads? Uh, she uh, she does, um, a med- she's a medical, she's an editor for a medical journal. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so you're the oldest? I am the oldest, yes. So when you start this public access show, you do it, they buy it, you finish high school? Yes, I finish high school. And then uh, you do a season? I did a season and um, and I got canceled because it was a very Christian network. Say cancer. No, I got, <laughs> then I got cancer. Then I, <laughs> um, no, but it was, uh, it was a very, very, very religious kind of channel and the show I was doing was not at all. Like, yeah. you know, and um, so they were getting tons of complaints from people like, and so I, I lasted 17 episodes. So that's a lot of television to make at 18 years old. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot of television. That's a lot of television to make at fucking 45 yeah, yeah holy shit no it was it was great because it was i literally had that moment where i got to run around to like all of my friends who were like working at like grocery stores and be like like the show got bought like quit your job like let's go let's go really? do this yeah so that was it was awesome um and, and what was the t- what were the kind of sketches that were getting you in tr- getting you in trouble uh you know i was just like i i did a bit um where it was like a, a morning show at an old folks home called like hey hey who died today and where basically they do they <laughs> <laughs> they would just check the rooms and like under that yeah. um and it was just kind of like doing weird stuff like i I, uh, I talked to the Virginia Department of Transportation and kind of let it got them to tell me anytime there'd been like a big roadkill and I would go and film the roadkill and then I would give each roadkill like a different voice and then I would like I did Hamlet with all these different but like close-ups oh. of like worms coming out of like how great would it be <laughs> To have no insight on what's going on in the business and just do your own thumbprint. That's what it was. It was just kind of like, I don't know. Do these live online? No, I haven't put them online. I have the. Oh my God, are you fucking kidding me? I should. I own them. So I I might as well. God. Yeah. Oh, I would make that my TV show. (laughs) I would find those and I would somehow marry those to what I could do now. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it was fun. It was just, there was no, like, I didn't have to worry about ratings. I didn't have to worry about, um, it was just whatever I found funny that week. You know, we'd go oh, out shit. and we'd do it. And, you know, I had an office um, that became like a hangout. All my friends would hang out and, like, you know, <sighs> just drink and, like, kind of, 
you know, edit this ridiculous show. And then you'd have the deadline. You'd run the tapes up to them like that. And then they'd put it on like that night. Like it was, it was great. That's so awesome. Yeah. And now, so... Uh, Christian family, but when do you touch booze or drugs? Um, I didn't, I didn't until after I got out of high school. Okay. Yeah. I, I pretty, um, pretty straight laced through high school. Well, I was, I was kind of like, I was in trouble a lot, but not for that. Like I also had this weird, my parents are super conservative, but also, oddly lenient in some ways. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I never had a curfew. Um, in fact, I didn't have to come home. Um, which was amazing uh, because I would sleep at public access a lot. Um, so I would be editing all night and then, um, or I had keys to my dad's office in town because I lived 30 miles away from my school. I lived out in the country. And uh, um, so I would drive, I, I would work edit until like two or three in the morning, then go to my dad's office put a cot on the floor, sleep there, get up, shower, and then go to school and then repeat it again and again. So a lot of times I didn't go home, but I knew that if I ever got in trouble, I would lose that like privilege. And my parents would say that, you know, they were like, you know, we're pretty lenient like on, on, on your comings and goings. But if we ever get caught with anything, we're not going to be lenient. And so it was kind of a calculated, like, it was like, nah, you know, while I'm... That's smart. While I'm here, I'm just going to kind of... It's a smart parenting move. Yeah. No, it was. It, I would definitely do it with my kid, kind of. <laughs> oh, we're talking about parenting right now with our kids about um, about being honest about sex and drugs. Mm-hmm. And I am not comfortable with that. About being honest? About being honest. I don't know what to, I don't know if I'm ready to tell my daughters... You have all, all daughters, right? I have two daughters, two yeah. Daughters, okay. I think they were both in there when you walked yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And then <clears throat> George was in uh, taking a class, and Isla's probably playing on her fucking iPad. <laughs> She's the one who got her period. So uh, she, uh, yeah, Leanne was talking about that today, about how to be honest with them. And Leanne's had a lot more sex than I have. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to share that. Like, if they're like, right. Mom, have you had sex with more than... Then got people than dad and she's like, yeah, then what do I look like to my daughters? Right, right. And I've done a lot of drugs and I still party. I mean, I don't do like Coke or anything, but like I still smoke weed. Right. And I drink a lot and I don't want them to know that I, I mean, I, I don't fucking know. I don't know. Anyway, you yeah. moved to New York. Yeah. Well, that, that's such a, you know, the th- I'm sorry, just a side no, track go ahead, there. Please. The thing that I find is I just had a kid. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. He's seven months old. So he's very, very young. Um, so it's easy. I don't, I can he doesn't know anything yet. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that I'm fascinated about and kind of worried about is like, when do you talk to them about the internet? Cause that has to be a giant conversation now, like where you have to be like, all right, you're, if you, whatever you put on the internet is there forever. You know, uh, like I, I think you got to sit them down and show them like the Star Wars kid. You got to show them like yeah. all of these viral kids who have become memes and their lives are ruined because of some like cringy thing they've done and kind of be like you know think twice before you post anything like you know you break up with a girl don't film yourself crying and put it online don't do like you realize i would be memed out had they i i was just saying (coughs) to my wife this morning i thought i was listening to you and rogan Mm-hmm. And you had said that you were doing Whitest Kids You Know the day the iPhone came out. 
Yes. And it, you, go ahead and you tell it, retell it again. But it made me think of something. It was it was this kind of crazy thing that like we were shoot, we were shooting a season of of Whitest Kids when the iPhone the first iPhone came out, and um, I got it the night it came out. Um, you know, I, I didn't wait in line, I, but I went and like waited until the line died down. They still had them. And I got mm-hmm. them, and then the next day at work when we were shooting i realized like every it was funny because up until that point in between takes the crew would all joke around there was all these inside jokes everybody would kind of have a fun time and as soon and you had this time to kind of like horse around and have fun and everybody was laughing in between takes and then the day the iphone came out everybody was quiet and everyone was just staring at their phone and like looking at all the stuff that it like can do and i was like oh this is crazy like i wonder how long you know, I wonder how long it's going to be like this before people like, you know, it wears off and people, you know, you know, stop staring at their phones and it never went back. It, it, never like, went back. it, it was like, it was from one day it was overnight and it has never gone back. Like, I had an epiphany the other night. We went to uh, the bar right next door to us, me, my wife and our, and two of our best friends. <coughs> and we went in and we all sat down and got a table and I went up to the bar and it's a good dive bar mm-hmm. and the drunks were on their phones. Yeah. The drunks who used to tell lies and spin yarn yeah. and tell you about the money that their sister stole from them and that's why they're here. Yeah. They don't have the drunk stories anymore. And I was like, oh my God. And then I thought, I wonder how many of my relationships I would have stayed in if we had had phones. Because you don't have to really talk. I, I, no. I would, you would date someone and you had to talk to them the whole fucking time. Yeah. If you're with them, you had to talk to them. And at a point, you'd be like, this person's an idiot. <laughs> like, I'm done. <laughs> but me and my wife had just enough time without the iPhone. Yeah. And now, when we're in the place where, you know, it's like, technically, you would be getting bored of someone. We've got iPhones. Yeah. So if I get bored of my wife, I just get on my iPhone. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. I think that I, I heard you say that. And I, <clears throat> I didn't have it that quick of an epiphany with phones but i do i do find that it's amazing how many people's faces are in their phones it's it's a completely different world like you know it's it's just you know there's you know i remember like i remember how because uh, i i remember before the internet just a little like you I, know i definitely do we got the internet early like when i was 12 really yeah um but i remember i've been on my memory is just being bored like I was boredom was a huge problem. Like for a yeah. kid, like yeah. you know, I'd be like, "Oh, fucking bored," you know. And I was, like, and then then the internet. When you got the internet, I don't think I've really been bored since. <laughs> like it, yeah. it cured boredom. It really did cure boredom. Yeah, I remember. I lived a very, I lived an extensive life before the internet. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I was probably twenty seven when I started using the internet. Oh wow. Yeah, like I'm, I'm trying to think because I didn't use it. I never used it in college. Yeah, I never got online in college. I never. <laughs> I when I moved to New York is the first time I got the internet, mm-hmm. but it was still real slow. You could get on the internet, but it was like it was just yeah. It was still landlines. There's like a hundred web pages, <laughs> and I and that's I, that's when I got a phone. But it got to a place recently where I was getting really depressed, and I didn't and I and I got a new phone. And it said, uh, turn on all notifications. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to turn off all notifications. And I immediately felt better. Really? Because my biggest thing was texting. Hmm. Like I would look to see if someone had replied or I'd text. And then if I heard a ding, I'd go, oh, is that the reply or is that this? And it was just, and and, and it was on for my Instagram. So anytime there was a like 
I'd get, and I'd, I'd post videos with like 100,000 likes. Right. And so, or views, I mean, or like 20,000 likes, and you, they would just ding, 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 and it was distracting me, and I, I wasn't happy. Yeah. And when I turned off all notifications, I don't get back to people as quickly. And we had an argument about this last night, but I am exponentially happier. Yeah. My goal now is when I wake up to not go to my phone. I've seen, I saw some study that they came, that came out with in like the last like month where they were saying like, um, social media is like, it is absolutely linked to depression. Like where they're like hundred percent. Yeah. It's because you're just, you're watching other people putting the best foot forward and the best rose colored glasses on their life, yeah. making their life seem better than it actually is. And then you're seeing everybody do that. And you're like, well, my life's not, you know, I'm not j- drinking wine at sunset every night. Like everybody else seems to be. It's amazing that you're so right. Is that all it is, is best foot. Like, I mean, I have friends in Tampa that I would never I would never imagine, like, I, I see sadness when I think of them. Then you look at their internet profile and you're like, oh, you're killing it. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I do that. I do that to a, f- I do that sometimes. <laughs> the one bit I've been wanting to do is um, subliminal branding, hashtag subliminal branding. Uh-huh. So on my Instagram stories, when I, because when I show things, like, I'm obviously trying to tell you a story of something else. Right. So, like, I, I, I did a shot of me jogging in the canyon the other day. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck videotapes themselves jogging unless I want everyone to know, hey guys, I'm healthy. Yeah. I know you think I party, but I'm really also very healthy. Yeah. Like it's so, but it's the subliminal branding. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it'll make you fucking crazy. Yeah. Because you're putting out, like I don't put out, when you know, when you're a young comic, there's a thing you do. This is when uh, the internet, when MySpace came out, you would say, hey guys, I'm headlining at this club this weekend. Which really means, hey guys, I don't headline a lot, but I'm happy to be headlining, Should and I, I want you to know that. I'm headlining because yeah. I'm a headliner. Yeah, but I'll be back to featuring next week. Yeah, and so I was very cognizant never to say I'm headlining at this club. Mm-hmm. So I'd go, I'll be at what you call it this week, and if people hit me back and they're like, who are you with? Then I'd write, I'm headlining. The now, now the one is, hey guys, also sh- all shows sold out. Like, why are you telling anybody? <laughs> yeah, what's the point of that? Yeah, and and then and then or like I have. <laughs> the shows this weekend in Salt Lake City, um, all Friday and Saturday are, all, are sold out. There's tickets left for Thursday. Mm-hmm. And as you were walking in, I was writing an Instagram post to let people know there are tickets available for this weekend. And trust me when I tell you, there's a part of my brain going, should you tell everyone that you've already sold out Saturday and Friday <laughs> right, to right. let everyone know? And then you're like, no, let them go to the website. If they want a ticket, they'll be like, oh, fuck, I can only go to Thursday. Right. But it's a, it's a weird... So you should go the other way and just play really into be like, guys, I'm super worried no one's going to come to my show this weekend. Yeah, like, right? You know, like kind of just go into the insecurity. And then you see people copy other people. Like the thievery on the internet is fucking insane. Right. Like <clears throat> this is simple, super simple. And I don't mean to start a huge beef about this, but like my buddy Brendan Schaub does this thing where he just takes a picture of his shoes. He's like uh, st- in studio kicks for Thursday. Like mm-hmm. he likes to show. He's a shoe guy. Yeah, man. I see so many people taking pictures of their goddamn shoes in the exact same way that he takes pictures of his shoes. Oh, he, so he, yeah, because because he does it, and and every, and then you know everyone's turn, like, I mean, shoes are cool, right? Yeah. And so, but everyone does it. But I, in my head, I go, I first saw Brendan do that. He's the originator. You all are thieves, <laughs> or or people that like well, this drives me nuts. And my buddy Segura does this all the fucking time. Is people who. I don't know how they get the internet, the video off the internet. They don't repeat, post it on Instagram. They post it as if like 
they found it. It's just a viral oh, right. video. Yeah. But they posted on their Instagram and it gets like 200,000 views. But yeah, yeah it's, it went viral yesterday. No wonder it's getting 250. Like, just. Yeah. <laughs> you know what people should do? It's like, because I feel like most of the time that people do these things, they're just taking a shit. Like, I feel yeah. like that's mostly when people are like on their Instagram. And oh, stuff yeah. Like that. Some, people should start just taking a picture of their face whenever they're taking a shit and just be like, taking a shit. Yep. <laughs> Hashtag blessed every time. <laughs> like, I, I, I want to, uh, I want one night. One day I, I, I came in from the gym at the hotel and I walked in the door and I started a video and the door shut behind me and it just, it was a good beginning bookend to this video. Mm -hmm. um, but what I said, I stumbled on what I said. So I went, all right. So I went back out of the room and shut the door the way I did again. And I, and I still fucked it up. I walked in and out of that door five times <laughs> and I, I, in, in, <clears throat> when I got the last video out, I was like, I wish I had simply posted all of these oh yeah. me fucking up left and right and left and right <laughs> fucking in and out of your door <laughs> it's amazing you do see people do stuff like uh original i think it's a human a human in instinct to like almost emulate them you know mm -hmm. to see what the person who's winning is doing and then do that as well right i don't know yeah. that's why i wish i could be 18 with my own public access show yeah, I mean, like, that's it's funny because like now, like every eighteen year old is. Yeah, but they're all they're all copying each other, right? Uh, pr prank I, on Wally wrong. Yeah, I read that. That's like that is the new like when they they uh, they ask kids like in school like what do you want to be like you know it used to be like rock star it used to be all this and now it's YouTuber like Dude, that's like the number one thing that people want to be. I've had so I, I'm, there's this kid Angelo Blando Angelo Blando who gets me my shoes really mm -hmm. great guy starting a podcast. But I, he's, I mean, the kid is on it. He's like 18 years old, 19 years old. Maybe he's 20. Um, he flies out to LA, gets shoes for Dalia, for Ron Funches, for me. Like, he just hustles. He's a hustler. Yeah. And I said, man, I got to be honest. In my head, I'm picturing, I'm thinking, let me introduce you to my agent. And, or let me introduce you to my manager. Let me get you a job in the industry. You will be amazed at what that instinct you have can really develop and blossom in LA. Yeah. There are a lot of people that will see that in you and fucking and milk it and teach you things you'll never learn anywhere else in this world. Yeah. And I said, I said, you need to get in this business. And he was like, I'm really like a YouTube channel. In my head, I'm like, Angelo, <laughs> anyone can have a fucking YouTube channel. Like you've got something special. Get out of there and go to fucking be an, be an agent. Yeah, but, and be like a twenty-five-year-old agent murdering it in L.A. But the thing is, if he if he has a successful YouTube channel, he probably make way more money. Way more that. money because I mean the, the numbers that those guys are pulling in is insane. But it's also an insane amount of work. Like when I, I've like you know I've I've watched some of like you know, the Jake Paul, Logan Paul, yeah, yeah, when yeah. all that stuff was kind of like hitting fever pitch. I was like you know checking it out and everything, and. um I gotta say, it's an. I mean, the amount of work that those guys are putting into that, it's you know. Oh yeah, it's so not something I would ever want to do. Like I had a vlog. Yeah. I had a vlog for a second because I saw this guy Casey Neistat and this guy Mr. Ben Brown, and then they kind of inspired me. And I thought I, I've been making television for seven years. Yeah. I could definitely shoot, edit, and post videos. Plug in some music. I know how to do this, and I did it. And it was funny shit, but then I realized it was cannibalizing my life. Right. And it was making me narcissistic in a way that was I was uncomfortable with. Mm. Where you are like, <laughs> if anything cool happens, you pull your camera out. Right. You try to do cool shit. You, you start believing this weird... I mean, with Casey Neistat, who I respect and I, I really think is a really interesting artist, I saw it happen most to him 
where it was like you he he was showing you only the cool stuff. It was it was what we were, we were just shitting right. about on Instagram. He was only showing you his best foot forward. Yeah, he was only showing you the badass stuff, and I, and that's what I was doing. And I was like, this isn't healthy. Yeah, I've got yeah. a lot of badness, and a lot of negativity in my life that I'm just hiding. <laughs> like oh, I'm not. I I'm on a plane. I had one drink. Okay, that's, that's all we're showing of that. Yeah, except for, but <clears throat> yeah, I. What was it like to go from having your own show where you're making on your own content to then going to New York? And then meeting up with the whitest kids you know, starting that, and then trying to make content when I guess technology was catching up. It was. It was. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 when my show got canceled, I moved to New York to, you know, I went to the School of Visual Arts. And um, I basically lived in a spillover dorm, which is, you know, a, if, if you miss the entrance into your dorm, like they put all these kids into this dorm that was just a catch all for like every college in New York. Like, oh, really? so there was like 32 different colleges that had their kids in this dorm. There was no security. It was just basically, a, it was like a, just a party hotel. Like, Holy and shit. that's where all the whitest kids were from. We were all from that one dorm. Who's the group? It's, it's five of you, right? It's five. It's uh, me, Sam, Darren, Zach, and Timmy. Okay. Um, and we were Are anyone not in the business anymore. Uh, well, Timmy still does stand up, but he lives in, uh, uh South Dakota. So, really? and, uh, and Darren lives in Pennsylvania. So they've kind of, you know, but, but Darren goes out with me on tour all the time. Like whenever I tour, I go with Darren and Sam, um, and I do like my music and then we'll do a couple old whitest kids sketches and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. Uh, so everybody's still involved. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we all were just drinking buddies in college that we lived in this dorm and um and you know we we met timmy on 9 11 um like when 9 11 happened like we ran to the top of the dorm to get the the best view of what was going down where was his dorm uh he would we were right across the river uh we were in brooklyn heights okay so right across the river and um and so we ran up to the top of the saint george hotel it's this massive building and um we just kind of kicked open the door that was facing it and it was timmy's room and that's how we met timmy like we just basically barged in and we're like and he was like who are you guys we're like shut up and we were like just started like watching like out the window and stuff um but uh and then we just started doing shows at like my college um we just started doing like a monthly show uh we said it was a school club uh because then we get like 700 bucks a semester um if you say that your comedy group is like a school club but then you can't decide who's in it everyone has to be in it so we had like 17 people in the in the group really beginning yeah and then um so we did that all through college and then when we got out of college you know we whittled it down to like the main five guys so you went you did you finished college in new york Mm -hmm. yeah okay and then um and then we just started doing we uh you remember the show tinkle no. Um, the David Cross ran a comedy show called Tinkle in the Lower East Side oh. at a bar called Pianos, and um, it was popular. But then I think he left. He left to go to New, uh, to L.A., and so they had this time slot that was open, and we got the the show, and so we had our own show at uh, Pianos um, in in New York, and we would do it every week and because we just didn't know that you didn't do it this way, we would write a brand new show every week. So we would write a new hour of sketches and do it every week. And then I think that actually really helped us because people would keep coming back. And then after like a year of that time out, New York came down and wrote like this really nice article 
about the show and then it like exploded and then it was like lines to get in we had to open up another room upstairs and telecast it the show upstairs really? so that people yeah it was great it was fun and but that's but we did that for years and and uh to the point that when we got our show the entire first season was already written like the whole really? first season was just our stuff from pianos because uh, we had something like 500 sketches at that point uh, holy shit yeah so that was that was um i mean when you're talking the, the when you were talking about like coming up with material that was kind of our you know how we did that is is just every every week you know we would uh write all day friday like after work you know we'd write friday into saturday um and then we'd also shoot videos on saturday and then sunday we'd be spend all day rehearsing while like i'm editing like trying to what are you editing on you're not editing on an avid you're editing on a computer no back then it was final cut okay yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, but yeah. What on. year is this? I'm, I'm trying to remember. This is 2005. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, oh, yeah. The, the technology was like, was definitely um, DVs, DV uh, tapes. Yep. And yep. you could shoot on all the, the uh, Canon came out with a bunch of great, Canon and Sony had a great. Um, yeah. What I did, what I did was I, um, uh, when I was taking out student loans for college, I took out an, enough to buy a Panasonic uh, 24P cameras, the first prosumer camera that recorded at 24 frames a second instead of 30. Yeah. So it actually looked film-esque. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so that's what we shot all of our stuff on, but just, yeah, on those DV tapes. And then we'd edit all Sunday, just get it done in time for our show at eight o'clock on Sunday night, and then drink all night, and then go to our day jobs on Monday and do the whole week again. What was again. your day job in New York? Uh, I worked for uh, an Asian television network uh called imagination television imagination yeah oh. and uh <laughs> and I love it uh, yes yeah, sam zach and i all worked there and uh like i but i uh i started out as an editor and then i got a show picked up by them so then i like i became like a comedy guy for them and i wrote comedy from an asian perspective uh <laughs> really yeah so uh so yeah i had a show on imagination television during that time too oh <laughs> fuck god that's awesome so how do you get discovered by did you get discovered by biederman or did uh did no we um did the network what was the network back then it was so so when we were pulling, we were pulling the show together. Uh, we met with a couple uh, executive producers. We met Biederman, loved him. Like, I love that guy. What's the, he doing now? Have you talked to him? Uh, I had talked to him about a year ago. I haven't talked to him. I haven't seen him for a while. He worked on uh, Michael and Michael. Yeah. Yep. And my buddy Tony Hernandez worked on Michael and Michael. We shared office space during Michael and Michael. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we show you was that? Were you still doing Whitest Kids? You know? Yeah. What did that last seven seasons? Five. We did five seasons. We did one on Fuse and four on IFC. That was it. Yeah. IFC. Yeah. Um, so, wait, and you you started on Fuse, and then what happened with that? It just didn't... So, we started on Fuse, because um, Fuse, like, we, uh, we won um, Aspen Comedy Festival. We won the Best Sketch Group uh, there. In, like, I didn't even know they gave out a prize for that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, then we had all these offers uh, for, like, you know, pilots and stuff. Um, and, uh, but Fuse because they were the smaller network was like, you don't have to do a pilot. You can go straight to series and you can own your own show. 
Um, so we were like, well, we got to do that. How like, do you not do that? Yeah. So we um, went straight to series on Fuse. We did the first season and it was a, a hit for them like it was it was it was like it was like one of their highest it was that and like they had a show called pants off dance off which was like their two biggest <laughs> oh my god do you remember I, that show? i do remember pants off dance <laughs> it off. was actually a good show <laughs> yeah i do remember pants off dance off holy shit yeah but it was like it was us and pants off dance off that were like the 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 big shows over there god and um but then they had a changing of the guard after the first season and the new guy uh, came in. Fuck and, new guys. And uh, and he called Biederman in to like a meeting. And, you know, we were doing, I mean, we weren't trying to be offensive, but I think our humor just naturally goes, we like dark gallows humor, like, yeah. you know, kind of. Um, and so like, you know, we had stuff like where we were, you know, Hitler or things like that. And uh, just kind of, and, and the guy basically brought Biederman in and was like reading him a list of things. was like, this won't fly anymore. Like this, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this anymore. You can't do this. And so Biederman was like, oh, they're going to destroy the show. Like he's like, we have to get it out of there. Yeah. Um, and so the uh, uh, Jen Caserta, like the, uh, and a bunch of the uh, people who were originally at Fuse had all gone over to IFC when the new guy came in and they're all owned by the same company, parent company. Really? IFC and Fuse. So uh, he, uh, Biederman talked to them and they were like, well, we would love to take the show over here. And they kind of worked it out, you know, being like, all right, well, since you guys aren't really into this show, what the show is, is yeah. you go. And then IFC was crazy because they, because their whole thing was uncut, uncensored. That was their tagline. Yeah. And so they were like, we want you to push it as far as you can go. And, uh, and we're not going to bleep you anymore, which I was actually bummed because I thought the bleeps made it funny. I think bleeps are funny. Me too. Yeah. And I was real. I was actually, I actually was like, can we still be bleeped? And they're like, no, we can't because the whole tagline is uncut, uncensored. Yeah. I see. Um, but I do, I think it misses something. When I you think take it does too. Away. When you put a bleep in, I think it makes it, it makes it pop. Yeah. It's it, yeah. Um, it also makes your brain think a little bit and interpret and go, what did he say? Yeah. And it also just feels like it just feels like you're testing the limits of, you know, the, of, of the medium too yeah. when you're doing that. Um, but so then we went over to, but so yeah, so that second season of IFC, they just told us to go as far as possible. So we were, you know, we wrote really crazy stuff. And then after second season, they're like, okay, you can bring it back a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like At this time, Chappelle shows on. Yes. Well, no, even before that, isn't it? When Chappelle did, show started in 2004. Okay, yeah. So I feel yeah, because I feel like Chappelle's show started. It was my before. Last year it was before. You, it was yeah. It was right before you guys. Yeah, I think it was, he was probably off by the time you guys were on the air. Now that I think about it, because yeah, because we we came on the air at the beginning. We shot the first season in two thousand six. Yeah, and it aired in two thousand seven. Wow. God, that's, what's it like to not? I mean, I'm going to say this in the wrong way. It's going to come out because I have this experience in mm -hmm. my life. <laughs> but what's it like to not? not know the failure really like not to know the like, failure just the, the 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 like ongoing failure that is so many people's experience in this yeah. business i mean like to go from like college like the state kind of went like that college mm -hmm. and then uh and then successful room uh win aspen tv show yeah what's next like is is there like a letdown of like oh i thought this would be better like I had, a, I had a period when I was on my first TV show, <clears throat> and for me it was college. Worked the door to comedy club for six months. Will Smith discovered me. Development deal. 
another development deal, TV show. And then in one day I'm, I'm, I have more money than I, now that I, it's not a lot of money, but back then I thought more money than God. Right. I'm driving down Franklin, turning left on, um, <coughs> uh, over by the, the Scientology Center. Yeah. And I thought, the celebrity huh, one. I thought I'd be happier than this. Right. Like I was, just, I was like, is this it? I was like, I don't think I'm really happy. Yeah. And then, and then I cut back to like broke, no fucking money, hanging out with Chris Gillen and living paycheck to paycheck, featuring on the road and being like, I've never been happier. Yeah. You know, like what did, what was that like? Well, it was, you know, um, uh, yeah, we, I mean, we did hit it pretty young. Like, you know, we were like the first people of any of our group that we were kind of like new to have a show. So yeah. there was this kind of, you know, Oh, this is crazy. And I, I think like, um, you know, I, I do think about that sometimes. It's like, well, I didn't, but see, so then when, uh, but then I did a movie. I know. What was the movie? Miss March. I saw Miss March. Oh, you did? I, of course I did. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's not a great movie. Like it's, um, it was this weird. Who was it? You and uh, Zach. Yeah. And it's this weird, it's, it was kind of a mismatch for us. The idea, we didn't come up with the idea, mm -hmm. but, uh, but the studio came to us and said, we'll let you rewrite it, uh, direct it and star in it. So we were like, okay, great. But it was oh like a God. teen sex comedy kind of thing. Yeah. So we re rewrote it. And we're just kind of, you know, we thought like just taking the piss out of the genre, but it didn't really work. You know, it's got, it, it's, it's very uneven. Like it has very funny scenes in it, scenes that I'm like still proud of, but yeah. as a whole, it's very uneven and it doesn't work. But when that came out, that was very, uh, like the critics hated it. Like it was, you know, lambasted, like, you know, uh, you know, it didn't do well. And so it was weird because at that point, then you really, then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, now, well, am I going to have a career after this? Like, am I, oh, am I wow. going to, but then, and then it was kind of realizing like I, what I was going through at that point, was like, Oh, this is what people go through at the beginning. You know, this, yeah, is, this is what, well, thank you. Yeah. This is, this is exactly what, and it's good to go through that. Oh yeah. Oh, I have, I not that this is going to sound, but I had so much success early in my career, mm -hmm. so much. And then it went away. Like just one day it just stopped. Yeah. Like, and I was like, I remember being in, uh, Pan Pacific park. Is it Pan Pacific park? Uh, uh, the one on the one on uh, third across the street from the, the oh, yeah, is Pan, I think, I think so. That sounds, that sounds yeah. I was in Pan Pacific Park, and I was like, I was. I remember my business manager was like, "You need to book a commercial or something." Like they give good money, and I was like, "That's not how." It, he's like, "Do a commercial." <laughs> like I like, just yeah. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll just do one." Like are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah. And I was like, I guess I got to get on the road. And I remember telling my manager at the time, who's still one of my good friends, I was like. I was like, I need to get on the road. And he was like, I didn't get in this business to book fucking the Chuckle Hut in Wisconsin. I got in this business to make you a movie star. And in my head, I was like, I am so far away from that. Right. That I need to have, I need to have some forward movement. Yeah. And I went from there, from that point, like it was like 500 bucks a week to host. Then you jump up to feature 700 bucks a week. Then you get into headliner and you're getting 1200 bucks a week. Then 13 the next year, 14 the next year, right. 15 the next year. And just getting to the place where it's like, 
I've seen people make it so not effortlessly. I don't mean to disregard someone's talent or work ethic or right. or skill, but I've seen people take the path I was on, and I remember those. And it's it's almost like, you know, this is manifest destiny. This is how it works. I'm brilliant. Like <laughs> right, right. And then to know, to see the failure, <clears throat> to see the failure, and to experience it personally. And then to get on a small track to success where you, for me, I got on Travel Channel. I was there for like seven years. but And then for it all to go away again. And yeah. again go, what the fuck am I going to do with this? I, am I am I just a failure? And then to have success again, you really have a, a respect for, you start seeing other people in the business differently too. Yeah, You start seeing people who haven't made it and going, don't give up. This There's always chance there's always hope yeah and then you see some people that have like made it really instantly and they're just like huh what i think it's on i think it's unhealthy to to not have you know bumps yeah and i and and hopefully it makes people better comedians too because like i mean i just from my own personal like experience like i think when i look back um before the miss march thing i think i kind of probably when I think about how I talked with like, or how I talk with network executives or how I would fight for things. Um, I had this idea that, you know, what I think is funny is right. And there's, you know, because I had no reason not to like, you know, like up to that point, everything had been a success. Like, uh, so why would I doubt myself? Like, you know, and, um, and then after you do something that doesn't work, then you're like, well, maybe I'm not the end all be all to yeah. like, maybe, you know, humor is subjective and uh, my, you know, and, and so then I think I became more open to, uh, uh, feedback, you know, after like, you know, I, if I, I pitch something out and, you know, if people aren't really responding to it and they're like, what about this? I'm more open to other people's like contributions and kind of things like that was so, yeah. you know, but I, but I, you know, I don't know if you don't have any of that, you, who knows what kind of monster you end up becoming. Like, you know, oh, you see these people who are completely, you know, detached from reality. Like, uh, I've seen that so much. Yeah. Like, but, and, it, and it's <clears throat> always these people who have just been, you know, doing nothing but success. It's nothing but the sex. And then you like hear them talk and you're like, Oh my God, you're an insane person. Like, I know people, I know people, I, I have, I know people that have not, witnessed failure mm-hmm. now I'm sure they have witnessed failure they are so not only detached from what is funny but from reality yeah it's amazing to me and I think I've had so much failure in my life I, I remember for one point at one point I was like I think I'm more comfortable with failure like I think I'm I'm I know how to nurse failure. I don't know how to nurse ego. Right. Like I can definitely lick my wounds. Right. Like I would, I, in a weird way, I was almost, I would almost plan when I I have an audition, I'd be like, okay, I know it. We're all coming to our house tonight. I'm going to make spaghetti. And then that's, that's how I'll get through this. And then I was like, if I book it, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. Like I don't, I don't, because I'm, I, I think it's one of the things I don't think anyone really like it's really hard to be a humble winner. Right. It's really hard. You ever like talk to someone famous in this business and they're almost like, they believe that because they're famous, they can create magic tricks. Like they're like, I did this. This is the hardest thing to do. Trust me. You need to listen to me. And you're like, 
<laughs> I had a friend like that where it was like unbearable to be around, and then and then his success went away, mm-hmm. and you watched him like going like, "Hey, what what do you think?" And you're like, "Oh, I wish you had done that when you were fucking killing it." Right? Maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you'd still be killing it if you would listen to a few people. Right? That's crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> was there any? Was there any like? Uh, head bumping with the group when you guys decided to, when you guys went off to get offered Miss March or was anyone like no there wasn't like everybody was pretty supportive like you know I think towards the end of uh, the five seasons we were all ready to be done with it really yeah like um, we had just been in each other's space for so long I mean like because we had you know been to you know a we lived with each all of us had I've lived with every single one of the guys like you know we just were each other's roommates you know in college after college um you know we were best friends and we just kind of were just sick of each other and then and it took a couple years I think after you know that for us to be like okay now I'm let's let's uh let's hang out and start writing stuff again like yeah uh, uh, and now it's fine we're all very tight um but yeah I think towards the end we were a little we were ready to take a break um yeah but uh I like I remember when they so the fifth season of the of the show (laughs) we just made a movie like and um and, and so we chopped it it was called the civil war on drugs and it was a civil war movie that we made and uh it's about two idiots who think the whole civil war is being fought over legalization of marijuana like and they go through the whole civil war like believing yeah. that. and so we chopped it into 10 up uh, 10 pieces and just put it throughout the season and i'm not sure the network was into that they were like well that's okay so it's this one long sketch that kind of goes throughout and so then uh this to do a sixth season we were like all right well we only want to do it if we can do like it's all movies and so it's just a series of films that yeah. that play out as like here's a half hour of it here's the second half hour here's the third half hour then a whole nother genre starts and we like do that and they were like well this is not the show that we signed up for anymore like, you guys were, were like cool to be like then we're good and we were just kind of like at that point we'd done you know we didn't want to start feeling like we were repeating ourselves yeah and it's it's tough you know i mean now i feel like if we went back we could do it like and because there's it's a, you know time has passed and there's all new things to talk about yeah. but it's hard to do a hundred sketches a year back to back to back and we had done 500 sketches at that point for like you know it's really fucking hard yeah and 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 not be like well this is actually very similar to this sketch that we already did like kind yeah. of thing so we wanted to we didn't we wanted to stop before it started doing that what was your initial plan right when you ended whitest kids you know what was your initial plan where did you want to go um well i i went i did a sitcom for a year um Wait. on fox what was it it was called breaking in um it was with Christian Slater. No. Yeah. I did a sitcom for a year. How was that? It was weird. It was, it was cool. <laughs> What's it, Christian Slater like? He's great. He's, I'm still Xbox friends with him. Like, really? I, I don't, I never talked to him on yeah. it, but like every now and then it'll be like, boom. I'm like, Oh, Christian Slater's on Xbox. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So yeah, I did a sitcom. I mean, I was like a, like the, the fifth character but how like, great is that it was it was interesting um it was it was fun it was Does it, was it hard for you to let go of yes. the writing oh i bet very very it was um you'd get fucking horrible scripts and be like 
No, it wasn't even that. It was just, it was, because I, I actually thought the, the scripts were pretty good. It was just that, um, just not being, I, I realized how uh, much uh, it's about control for me. Yeah. Like, I like being in control. Um, like, just not knowing uh, what the, uh, how the show is doing. You know, waiting oh, for the yeah. ratings, um, just sitting in the and, and also just sitting. I mean, I, I was coming from a place where I wrote, directed and, um, you know, was in like almost every sketch. So just sitting in the trailer was very bizarre for me. Like and you're just sitting there and like waiting all day to go in, do your scene and then. And it's out of your hands. Like, you know, and I, I know I, I think I pestered the directors probably a lot because I'd be like, are you, was that good? Do you, do you want another? Yeah. Like, are you, or how are you? Because I was just like, I wanted to be able to do more. Like, I, I, and so that was really difficult for me. Like, I remember telling my agents, I was like, I kind of think I want to like do shows instead of be on them. Like, which is probably not a smart thing to tell your agent, but I was, <laughs> I was like, I've I, said a lot of stupid <laughs> shit to my agent. I've said a lot of stupid shit. Yeah. Oh, like, I've said a lot of, I've, I, I, oh God, I mean, I wish I could just never have spoken, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I have a hard time right now. I'm going through that a little bit. I'm in a place where I go, I only want to do stuff I create. Yeah. I don't want to do anything anyone else creates. Yeah. Like <clears throat> you couldn't put me in a show on travel channel or food network or anything. You, you just couldn't. I did one. Sh I did one pilot for um, when I was. It was. It was a travel channel. I did one pilot for someone that it was a different. It was a different company, and they mm -hmm. had a director. I was. I was unbearable. Yeah. I was because <clears throat> I directed everything I did. I, I mean, I say that, and anyone that worked with me was like, "Yeah, we made you. We let you think that." <laughs> but like, I just wasn't doing any. They. Yeah. I, I had set up a set of parameters of what I would do on TV and what I wouldn't do on TV. And uh, and now it's so funny. The shows that I would never have done, I hate watch, and I love hate watching them. Really? Oh my god! There's yeah. a show called Carnival Eats. I mm -hmm. watch it. I watch it non. It, it's like it's like it must be like what those uh, what those uh, dominatrix the people that like to be dominated. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, is it sadist or masochist? Which it's one is it? It's masochist. Be masochist. Yeah. I watch it, and and I see the guy. He's like, uh, this looks like a. And then a wink at camera, tasty bite. Like I would never do that. I watch it and I just go, oh! I watch him make mistakes on that show. Like they light a scene, yeah. And they'll and so they they've, they're set up and they're going to do a bunch of you know on the fly interviews, but they have it lit so it looks pretty. Who gives a fuck if it looks pretty? The they have this black guy with gold teeth receiving a twenty four inch sandwich. And he's acting so poorly that I'm like, I'm watching this guy act. Oh my God. And then at one point the host, clearly the guy has not said the lines properly, but he knows what he wants to say. And the host is mouthing the words along with the guy. And so I hate watch that shit. I don't, I'd said, to, I've said to my agents out loud, I do not want to be on a sitcom where I'm just the third guy. Right. I want my sitcom. Right. Like I want to create it. I want to be, in charge yeah i want to be telling you what i will and won't do mm -hmm. i could not send a trailer yeah 
that's kind of what yeah that's the that's sort of <laughs> it's not the smartest thing to do but so walk me through all your projects so you do that i did that it gets canceled uh no actually they wrote me out are you serious <laughs> yeah, they wrote me out after the first season they they wrote uh and then they brought in new cast members and stuff like that really oh trying to revamp it yeah they were trying it, to revamp yeah. it yeah i think it was one of those bubble shows and they went uh so um so i did that for a season and then are you good around celebrities yeah, I mean, I'm horrible. I mean, I mean, not in the in the sense of like I'm not good at. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I don't go. I, I don't really. There's some. I I like weird celebrities. Like the, really? the, the a lot of celebrities that I think I people would get upset about excited about. I'm like okay, but like um, like I love this. Like there was this documentary that I watched all the time called Dope Sick Love. Um, it was on HBO and I watched it all the time. It was about couples on heroin that like you know and i just loved it and i watched it all the time and then one day i saw one of the guys from dope sick love uh riding his bike down the street and i, I blurted out i was like sebastian like that and he stopped and looked and i realized like oh i can't what am i gonna do like i can't like be like you know i'm a huge fan of your horrible addiction of your like, of your wreck of a life <laughs> yeah so i was like oh and everything like that and i just kind of what uh, kind of tv shows do you get into um, you don't watch you don't like watching the type you do i don't like i love i love like like a uh, car wrecks like I, I love like my 600 pound life my, I was just i love my 600 pound life oh my god uh I, I didn't know i was pregnant was probably one of my favorite shows of all time I didn't um, know I was have pregnant. you ever seen that uh, no, it's fantastic. How does someone not know they're pregnant? Because they're idiots and uh, they're obese. That's how it happens. It's really oh dumb my. people who are also obese and are not paying attention to their body. And uh, but they, the greatest thing about it is that they reenact. It. So it's almost in like unsolved mystery style where they yeah. talk to the people and they're just like, well, I had stomach pains and, thought, you know, and it always ends with them going and trying to take a shit and having a toilet baby. That's like every episode and they always reenact it. And it's the best because then in some episodes, they'll, they'll put a baby in the toilet and you'll see the shot of like the baby crying from the toilet. And it was like somebody, some new parent whose baby is still like could pass for an infant, yeah. like signed up or like, I want my baby in the in the in the TV in the Hollywood, oh and they put their God. baby in a toilet. Um, I always watch those, and I go, "How did I not get that job as a reenactor?" Like <laughs> yeah. I was, like, my agent's not sending me out for anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I met um, someone who worked on that show once, and uh, at a bar, and I was just like, I was so excited. I was like, "That's it's my favorite show in the world." Yeah. Um, I was like, "How do you get? How, why do these people give you permission? Because no, you can't be on." I didn't know I was pregnant, and come off any way but looking like the biggest idiot in the world like there's yeah. no way i mean like why do these people let you do this and tell their story and show their names and stuff like that and she was like you have no idea the waiting list we have of people who want to be on the show because the idea of somebody reenacting your life is so enticing to people that they just like she's like and her job was vetting all these stories to make sure they were real like talking to the hospitals and stuff like that but um i guess the want of fame or the one of notoriety or the one, I guess maybe it's just having a meaning to your life yeah some people will go oh I have no meaning to my life but if I'm on you know yeah intervention or 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 one of those shows then now I have meaning yeah well our culture is so set up to be like meaning your meaning of life is fame that's the meaning it's of the truth. life and that, it, it, that's the whole going back to the social media and all of this it's just 
you know, that's what we're just programmed, you know, it barraged me. With. It bothers me. It's not as much anymore. And by the way, this is going to sound shallow. I understand that. But it bothered me when I saw people who took noble professions then seek fame. Because I was like, yeah, I sought fame and I admitted I'm shallow. This is what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And for me, it wasn't technically fame. It was art. It was like, right. I want to be a comedian, but I understand that this goes along with this. So I'm cool with that. But then when like chefs all were like, yeah, I'm just a simple chef. But then you got your own TV show, but you're not a simple chef anymore. Right. I'm just a fireman, but I'm on The Bachelor. And you know, now this is where my life's going. And yeah. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Like, I, I admitted we need firemen. What? We need firemen. Yeah. Like you'd be like, oh, I'm just a fucking simple doctor. I'm Dr. Oz, but now I'm just going to take like, right. I, I never could really rationalize. Like I was, I was like, don't, don't like, I just make cupcakes, but now I'm a cupcake guy. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this country where that is the most, and but by the way, I'm a part of it. Yeah. But in like my head, like we go to, uh, like uh, big upfronts for scripts. And I, I remember one time I was looking at these guys and they're all, uh, I wish I knew the name of the show. Maybe it's called Chopped or something. But they're all like, it's like five different judges. And like, they all have like really stylish glasses. Like everyone's Simon Cowell. Yeah. Everyone's, yeah. everyone's like, and, and I saw them all social media posting and stuff. And I'm looking at, I'm looking at Tony Saragusa, who's an ex football player who just, was a football player and this is how he's making money now and he's just looking at him like ugh and I'm looking at them going I don't want to be that right like I don't want fame to be the thing I'm chasing right I want my art to be the thing I'm chasing yeah. I want to make art and then promote my art mm-hmm. you know I don't want to just be like like I don't I, I had said to someone one of the things I'd said to my agents which I regretted was because I think they represented the person we did this thing the goddamn comedy jam on Comedy Central uh-huh. and mm-hmm. And I was like, I did it because that's what I had been doing that for months on end with my friends. Cause it was a comic that started it and you would do time in front and then you sing. And it was fun for us cause we were getting out of our comfort zone. We were doing something different. And then when it came to comedy central, they booked a bunch of celebrities on it. And then I was like, I don't ever want to be that celebrity. Right. I don't ever want to be the celebrity who's like, get me on dancing with the stars. Right. Like I want to do stuff that I love, you right. know? So that's where I'm I'm broken in that sense. Like you were yeah. the Fox thing. I'm, I can totally see myself tapping out. Yeah, it's the same. I mean, it's the like, it's hard to take. It, well, there's there's less, and, and this is probably still an ego thing, but it's like there's less uh, satisfaction in getting laughs that you didn't write. You know? Mm, okay. Now you just picked a brand new fucking, like when you do your, when, when I watched your song. Mm-hmm. I was blown away. I was Thanks. literally blown away. And it inspired me. It inspired me. Uh, Halston knows this. Um, we're, I'm working on a, um, it's not a comedy album. It is a sincere um, day drinking album, like Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Like, like 
That's like my guilty pleasure. Like I love Jimmy Buffett. I love Jimmy Buffett. That's one of my favorite. Pirate Looks at 40 is one of my favorite songs. Oh my God, made. right? Yeah, I, I'm a huge Jimmy. I legitimately think he's a terrific songwriter. He is an amazing yeah. song. He's like the Ernest Hemingway of songwriting. He's amazing. Yeah. Super simple, yeah. super there, great storyteller. And so I had said that's all, one of the things I'd always wanted to do. I have this Call and Sick to Work tour. I was like, it would be cool if I could make this Call and Sick to Work tour like almost like a Jimmy Buffett-esque. And then I can write... <laughs> when I first started, I used to sing on, I used to play guitar and sing. That was like the first thing I did that was funny. Mm -hmm. And then every time I came on stage and I brought a guitar with me, I realized, I remember one time putting the guitar to the side and all anyone did was stare at the guitar and look at me like, when are you going to pick it up? And I was like, oh, I'll never be able to learn how to do stand up if I have this guitar up here. Uh, so I got rid of the guitar forever. Mm. I like, was like, I'll never bring a guitar on stage. Now that I can play the guitar, I think people are shocked that I can play the guitar but I was like, it would be cool to write that album. Yeah. But that's, you. I watched you and I, that inspired me. Uh, I do not understand stand-up comics who do not write their own material, then go on to do an hour special and basically do karaoke. That makes no sense to me. I don't know why you would do stand-up comedy if you don't write your well, own stuff. At that point, it's just, it's got to be about f the fame first and foremost. It is. It's, it's, it's uh, the, the comedy is a venue to get famous. Yeah. And so yeah. that they can keep doing movies or yeah. keep doing, like I, I, I found out recently about some celebrity comedians that don't write their own material. And I just was like, well then that it really just like, I don't think I ever want to watch you stand up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah. Maybe I'll watch who, who writes for you. I'll see what they're working on. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're a good comedic actor, but yeah, that's great. Not, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that, that kills me. So what, what did you do after the Fox? Um, and so then after the Fox thing, I just kind of, I, I had a bunch of just different development deals, um, with various networks for a couple of years. I started, I became like a correspondent on, um, the tonight show. Uh, and I did that for five years. Um, God uh, damn, you've worked nonstop. Yeah. It, but it was like, but for a couple of years there, it was just doing, um, these, you know, I, I kept going from development deal to development deal. Like I'd have a, a pilot here, I'd have a pilot here and they just wouldn't make it to air kind of thing. And, yeah. but so I was really thankful for the tonight show thing because that was, it felt like I was still, you know, doing something that was making it out there. Like yeah. I, I had my regular bits that I would do once a month on the show and stuff like that how did you dodge not getting huge through the internet like like how the internet seems like a perfect home for you well that was that was how um that was really how whitest kids happened was uh you know youtube started right around we were host we were making all these videos for our, our shows and we were putting them on our own website and basically having to pay the bandwidth and all like that. And then all of a sudden YouTube started and kids like fans started taking our videos and just passing them around. And then that, so we had like a couple, you know, viral like hits and that's what, you know, kind of kept word of mouth going, which got us to the show. So whenever like the network would be like, let's take down all these kids sites that have your stuff we'd be like no 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 please leave it up there i mean it's good for the show trust us like yeah. that's the whole reason you know who we are like is because of the internet kind but of like thing. how do you not have your own how are you not making content and putting out content on a daily basis just right now like you know it's not it's not it's 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 interesting it's not the because uh what i was talking about when i looked at these these youtubers that's not what i wanted to do that's not like what i got into this for like you know like, I, I look at you and i go how are you not 
how do you not have a movie <clears throat> making a movie every year? Like, right. you're so, one of the most creative people I've ever seen in this oh, business. Very nice. Thank you. I'm telling you when I say this, I've always known you're creative. Like, I've always known of you and known you to be a, a, a successful, hardworking, creative guy. But when I watched your songs, I was like, this is next level. Oh, thank you. Like, how are you not directing comedy specials? How are you not directing... Right. Well, the other thing is, for the last three years, I um, I, I sold a show to uh, the Disney Channel, and um, like, uh, what is it? Walk the Prank. Yep. Yeah. So I sold that sh uh, show to them, and I've been show running that for the past three years too. So that's, and I've been directing a bunch of those. So that's kind of you know taken up some of my time too. It was, you know, I did this album and special at the same time as doing that show which God was kind it. of do you party at all uh yeah yeah how do you how do you get by <laughs> like how do you do that uh mm. i just try to keep it to the weekends to the party. <laughs> holy shit you've got so much fucking going on yeah no it's uh so it's so i've been doing that for the past three years so it's kind of which i really like doing like it's it's fun to juggle like doing stuff in the kid space and then doing stuff in very adult space. Like yeah. I like trying to do both of those at the same time. And you know, it's, it's like working different muscles kind of thing. Um, yeah. So, uh, I don't think I have that ability. It's, I, I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it's fun. So I, but that's, I mean, there is a movie that we want to do. We wrote a, a, the whitest kids wrote a movie, um, that we're trying to find the funding for right now. Really? And it's like our favorite thing we've ever written. Like, you know, uh, it's, um, you know, we are hoping to do that like s later in the year or like next year kind of thing. Really? But yeah, it was, uh, we're really happy with it and we're just trying to figure out, I think we need like $2 million. So we're just trying to figure out where to, where to pull that from. Are you guys all managed by the same manager and agent? No, we're all over the place. We're all different people. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. That would, I, I don't know. There's uh, someone was just telling me about, um, Kickstarter and getting a Kickstarter. Yeah. People, I, I don't know why I'm like I'm squeamish about that. I, I, there's, there's a, an algorithm to doing going, being successful on Kickstarter. Really? Yeah. And, and it's gotta become like, you know, a two month, that's your job for two months is raising this money. Yeah. Um, I'm on, I'm more on like a, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I'd want to do a movie per se. Yeah. I've always wanted to do a four camera sitcom. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I just, every time I don't think, I don't think anyone's making four camera sitcoms anymore. Right. And I don't think that it's, but they I, think come, they come around though. Like, you know, uh, but yeah, but I, I don't know. I think I gotta get more famous in order to green light one. Mm -hmm. Cause I don't want, I don't want to just get a, I'm done with getting deals. Right. I, I'd much rather just not get a deal and just <laughs> write it and make it. Right. Like, I'm so tired. I, I was telling Segura, I think I've had seven development deals where I just go, they're just all fall apart. Right. Like they, something happens and they're like, we're going to make it. And then nothing. Oh, we're looking at the script. Nothing. And I'm just tired of that. So I wrote a script and I'm, I'm going to make it. Um, but it's not for camera. Right. And then my wife, my special's coming out and my managers and agents are like, now's the time. You know, if you want to do your four camera sitcom, now's the time that we do it. Yeah. And they're like, we'll pair you up with a showrunner. We'll pair you up with a... And my wife's like, no. She goes, let's get a hotel room for three days. Like just fucking Universal Sheridan. Get a hotel room for three days. I'm going to force you to write it. <laughs> and I was like... All right. So next week, starting Monday. Oh, great! I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write. I don't know what it is. I haven't figured it out yet. But that'll be the first day. Yeah. Right, second day, 
edit it and put it together, make sure it's all together the third day, and then send them in and go, this is what I'm doing. That's awesome. And then if and then let them shop it. Yeah. And but I but part of me just wants to go get an investor. Let's just make it. Yeah. Like I don't want to fucking. Shop yeah, it. It's a the, yeah. Get get like a Chinese uh, investor. Like yeah. that's well, yeah, all this where are money. These Russian oligarchs I yeah. hear about all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, there's so many ways to do it. That's the that's the thing. It's like you know, we you know we don't want to like the movie we want to do is like we can do it for two million. Like we can do it like for yeah. not a lot of money. Like there's a lot of like places. To, there's so many ways to do it. It's just trying to figure out okay, what where are we going to try to like you know to pull the money together kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, yeah, there's something that's just like going and doing your own thing, not waiting for the studio system not waiting for well, the, like, say, the gatekeepers that, to give you permission just. i say that with podcasts I, I run into people all the time they're like yeah i want to do a podcast i just gotta find the right deal and you're like huh yeah right yeah. let's just do it yeah like my wife when she's my wife has a podcast and she was like she's like i don't know should i like what do i do i need to like sign up with somebody and i was like no just do it i go that's the creative part of it and like she's got a podcast it's not huge people listen but she loves it. Yeah. And she's inspired every day. She comes up with segments and these ideas of how to, ooh, I want to do an episode about this. And I go, that's what creativity is about. Yeah. It's not about fame and fortune and getting recognized. It's about making something all the time and feeling <laughs> creative. You have another, yeah. you motherfucker. <laughs> <coughs> you know, I think I was, I, was, I was out of the system for so long in, in creativity mm-hmm. by doing Travel Channel that when I got back into stand-up, now I'm just like, I'm like bubbling. I love yeah. getting on stage and coming up with a joke in the afternoon and then writing it and performing it and then going back and listening to the recording and making it tighter. I, love, I miss that. Yeah. When you tour, what, what is it, when you go on tour, what, is it, what does it consist of? What kind of venues do you do? Um, I, do uh, I do a lot of like comedy clubs. Um, really? Yeah. And uh, I, it's a largely music. Yeah. Like so my show I, I do is usually like music from the, you know, the la- previous albums, the new album. Um, and then, uh, and then I'll show video. Like I'll, I've recorded some like hidden camera man on the street kind of things that I just show at like my shows. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I do, uh, and then I'll do, you know, some old whitest kids sketches with like whoever from whitest kids is with me really? in that city. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's kind of a combination, almost like a variety show. Like I through, I just remembered slow Jack. Slow jerk, yeah, yeah. Is it slow jerk? Slow jerk, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the, the that whole bit is pantomiming, jerking off, and that was the first time anyone recognized me from the TV show. Uh, is I was sitting in a bar and somebody just pointed at me from across the bar and just started like slowly pantomiming, jerking off, and I was like, "This dude's like, what's going on? This dude's like super hitting on me." <laughs> and then it, it hit me. I was like, "Oh, he saw the TV show." Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where did you meet your wife? Uh, we were both NBC pages. Really? We were both in the page. So you've been with her for how long? I have been with my wife for 15 years, almost 15 Holy years. Holy shit. Yeah. Been married seven. We were, we were together seven years, then we got married and we we're almost 70. So I guess 14 years. Yeah. And just started having kids? Yeah. Are you going to have more? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Did you get them baptized? No. Or christened? No. Are you going to? I don't think so. What do your parents say about that? I don't know. <laughs> They're probably not happy. We we never. I don't think we ever got our kids baptized or christened. Oh, really? Yeah, but it was just it was just Gillen did. Gillen got both his christened. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't. It just didn't. And, you, and then circumcision. You, you didn't have to worry about that because you had you had girls. I had girls. Yeah. Yeah. My my sister uh, 
Why, did you get your kid circumcised? I didn't. You no. didn't? No. Are you going to? I don't think so. Are you circumcised? <laughs> yes, I am. But wait, don't you? For real? I don't think you. Yeah. I, uh, no, I didn't do it. Yeah. Wait, did you talk to your wife about it? Yeah. I talked to a bunch of nurses about it. What did they say? Well, they're not allowed to, they're not allowed to sway you one way or the other. It's like really strict. And then I was like, I was like, uh, you know, cause I've been, you know, like, uh, so, so, I, so I've been, I've been on the fence about it. And then I was like, I asked one of the nurses, I, she, I finally was like, do you have kids? And then she's like, yeah. I was like, you have boys? And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, did you circumcise them like that? She's like, no, like that. And every nurse that I asked when I got to personal, like asked like that, they were like, no, like that. And so I was like, all right, I'm not doing it. Shut up. Are you yep. circumcised? I'm circumcised. I, I mean, maybe I wish I wasn't. There's no way to know. That's the thing. Yeah. It's such a fucking weird. And what did your wife say? I think that convinced her. Like really? when the nurses, when we started talking to nurses and none of the nurses really had done it with their own kids. I was like, and when oh. you said it to the doctor, was he like, good call? No, no. They were like, okay. But they, it wasn't like, uh, you know, uh, I believe it. I mean, I don't know. I just, it seems like an odd thing to do, except that everyone does it. Like if it weren't that, if it weren't for everyone doing it, it would seem like an odd thing to do. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> the guy that pitched it must have been like, okay, I know it's gonna sound crazy. I got an idea. I want a job where I just cut the tips off dicks. I know I, mine isn't done that way, but I want to because like, they started doing it when they had to do it to themselves first, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know who the first chicken or the egg. The first you know? guy who did it. I don't know. What is it? Is it meant for cleanliness? I think I think probably back in the old days. Yeah. You know, I think that was the thing. It was it blew up in the United States after World War One. Why? Um, and I think it was because of I could be wrong about this, but this is what I've been told. Let's just go by just dig your heels on on this one. Yeah, right is that it was uh, because World War One was so filthy. You know, it's trench warfare, mud like that. People were getting a lot of infections, and like, and then like after World War One, it became the norm to do. Um, really, just because uh, of cleanliness. Yeah, and I, I I don't think I did it at all out of religion. Right. Was, initially, it's just Jewish people, right? I think I think that's how it starts. Yeah, but but um, but now it's just a cultural thing. It's a it's a Western thing. Yeah. No, we had um, we we did a clitoral stimul uh, mutilation on both my. Oh, daughters. you did female circumcision. Female that's, circumcision. Well, that I am for. Yeah. I'm actually a big <laughs> proponent of female circumcision. Oh. <clears throat> so what's what's the the 24 hour feed? Is that going to be online? Is that going to be on ComedyCentral.com? Yeah, it's going uh, it's going to be on their Facebook, their Facebook Live kind oh, of wow. thing. Um, wow, that's going to drive fucking views. Yeah, it'll be cool. It's gonna we're gonna have uh, an 800 number that people can call in. Um, I'm also going to be doing a Reddit AMA at the same time and like answering those questions, trying to solve all the world's problems. What other press are you doing for your, for your special? Um, what other press I'm doing? I'm doing like, I'm not, I'm not sure. I have like a, I have a sheet that I look at every night for the next day. Like kind of thing. Um, there's a, I may be doing at one point I was going to do like an AV club interview during the 24 hour show. That would be cool. But I don't know if that's happening now. Like, huh. that's, that's not a bad idea is to have other interviews interviews come into you. Because they love it because they're going to get press for their stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I think we're trying to do some of that. Also, I'm doing a uh, like an open I've I've put out an uh, ad for an open mic. Um, 
and I've been getting all of these like people like writing and like music acts like juggling everything like that. And so constantly throughout the show, I'm just going to be doing a parade, a 24 hour long open mic for every, anybody who like signed up. Oh my god! So it's going to be a lot of chaos going on. Oh, that's going to be fucking awesome. Yeah, it'll be fun. It's uh, it, the 24 hour thing. I'm I'm a little worried about it, but like, how are you going to stay awake? I don't know. I'm just going to, it was like one of these things when they were like, Adderall. Did, yeah. Just, I mean, just, it could. Yeah. Um, there's one of these things where they're just like, you know, what do you want to do to promote the thing? And I was like, oh, I could do like a 24 hour talk show. That'd be cool. And everyone was immediately like, Oh, it's a great idea. And I was like, why did, why did you just said 12? Yeah. Could have said 10. Maybe said a three hour, <laughs> three hour talk show. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm going to, I'm going to log on and watch. Oh, and then call I, in. Can I, can I can call in. Yeah. Or Skype. Be a, be a, be a guest uh, via Skype. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in a hotel room all day. Perfect. I'm not doing shit. Yeah. It'd be awesome. Well, we gotta set that up. We'll release this Wednesday night, okay, so that it'll come out. So I do a solo podcast, and I'll do a solo intro to this, and then release this Wednesday night, so everyone tunes into your special this weekend. Awesome, thank you. I'm really, I'm, I can't tell you how impressed I am. I, 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 I last night I said you need to start off by telling them how genius you thought that was because oh. I was like, sometimes I forget to tell people, mm-hmm. like I go, oh yeah, you know. But yeah. that, I was fucking blown away. Well, that's so nice. I, I really appreciate that. That's really nice of you. Thank you. Is that, is that, do you think that's the, is that like the, your favorite thing you did on this special? You know, it's, it's, I, well, I like the visuals of that one a lot. Like, um, oh, dude, it's so badass. Yeah. But there's, uh, there's one that's coming out. Uh, there's a couple more videos that I'm really into too. Like there's like two or three that I really like really into on this, on the special kind of thing. Did and you I, direct I, them all? No, no, no. My friend, uh, Nick Goosen directed them. And I know Nick Goosen. You do? How do I know Nick Goosen? Um, he directed grandma's boy. Uh, oh, okay, he's yeah. directed a bunch of stuff. My buddy wrote stuff. grandma's boy. Oh, okay. Nick Swartzen. Oh, Swartzen. Yeah. He's tight yeah. with Swartzen. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um, but he, yeah, he directed, he directed all the videos for my last special too. He's awesome. Yeah. God damn. Well, man, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks this for having awesome. me. This is awesome. I hope it really t- uh, takes off for you. Oh, and I can't wait to see what else you were going to, what else you do. You're like, I, the one thing that was like, I was really kind of moved by, I was like, oh, this, you've been in a lot of groups and sometimes you see the group and you go, um, and you go, oh, there's some stragglers. Like, uh, I won't say it, but like, you know, the state, uh-huh. there's some yeah. guys that were in the state and you're like, oh yeah, they were in the state, but that's not their, I mean, that's, right. they weren't the driving force of the state. Right. You look at Thomas Lennon, you're like, oh, Michael Liam Black, Thomas Lennon, Michael Showalter. Those right. were fucking, not to, not to discount Carrie or anyone else in the state, but mm-hmm. those were spearhead guys who were going to do something if it wasn't this. Yeah. And when I, when I knowing Whitest Kids, knowing you, mm-hmm. because I saw uh, Miss March, and then hearing about your fucking, your, your talk show at 18 and, and your, and, and then now this, and then watching that video, I went, Oh, it was him. Like oh, in my no. head. We I know, I know, all of us. <laughs> I know, I know it was all you guys, but I was like, Oh, he was going to succeed regardless. Oh, um, uh, the last question I got to ask you and I, oh, the whole time I, when you first saw Bo Burnham, do you know Bo Burnham? Yes. Were yeah. you like, Oh, that would have been me. That, Cause had you grown up at that time, doing the internet like if you were his age i think he's like right right five or something i don't did you find any connection with him i don't know no i mean i didn't i didn't think that i didn't think that because you were that guy right but you right. had to go through all the hoops yeah like you had to go fucking take a class go you know like yeah if the internet had been there for you 
Do you ever think that like if you No, I never thought of I've never thought about that. That's if you were if you were ten years younger. Yeah. See, I've always thought about it where in the sense of I guess I've been looking I've been looking at it optimistically, where I was like I was always like, Oh, thank God YouTube happened when it happened. Like, yeah. you know, because it was right when we were starting that <laughs> um, you know, and it was really like if it had been a couple, you know, years later. Like, who knows if we would have just been like another sketch group that, you know, toured. I mean, when we got our show, the New York Times did an article like uh, on us and Human Giant, which came out in the same month. And it was the whole article was basically the Internet breaks through to television. Like, so uh, Human wow. Giant and us were the first shows. Who was in Human Giant? Uh, it was Aziz, uh, uh-huh. Rob Hubel. Um, Rob, oh, not Rob Riggle. Uh, no, 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 no. Hubel. Um and uh Paul Shear. Paul Shear, yeah. yeah. Paul Shear. Yeah. And so our shows were like debuting the same week, you know. Really? And so like the New York Times did this So I always looked at it as like, wow, we really lucked out because I the- look at that I look it's so funny, I look at things like that too mm-hmm. for myself, and then I see other people and I go like uh, I, I think about the state a lot. Yeah. I, it was one of my favorite sketch groups ever. Yeah. And I go, Man, if they had been around during the internet, they would have fuck I mean yeah. But, then, but then part of you goes maybe that maybe not maybe 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 the, maybe the, it, it, you guys were in a situation where the cream rises to the top and so if if everyone else had the opportunities to make it it makes it more convoluted but you guys were so driven well like I think I mean I think it would be incredibly hard to start a comedy troupe now Oh. because the, the, the noise. I, it's got to be insane to try to be a comedian now. I know, because it's just, I mean, so like, I don't know if, it, I don't know if it would have been easier or not, but like, it, it, it seems to me that there's just, there's so much more, like, it's everywhere oh. now. So Dude, I, I can't imagine starting a podcast now. Right. I can't imagine. I'm so lucky <laughs> that I got fired from Travel Channel when I did. Like, because if I had that. you hit the podcast window. No, no, no. I was doing my podcast before. Mm-hmm. I'd started my podcast probably five years ago, maybe six right. years ago. And um, I started it while doing Travel Channel. And they were like, don't do a podcast. You don't need to do a podcast. You're on TV. Right. But in my head, I was like, my podcast will always be there. This right. is going to go away. And then thank God I had done stand-up. I'd been doing stand-up for so long that when it tri- di- disappeared, stand-up blossomed the way it did. And now right. stand-up is where it is. And I just go, oh, thank God. Like I'm, I look at it that way too. I don't think I would. I don't have your drive. Like I would have never taken a class to get a. I would have loved to do that, but I would have needed a friend that had the drive to go. I'm going to take the class to do the, the right. to the, do the TV show. I'm more like a. Well, I take that back. I guess I did this. I don't know. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. a flip flopper. Well, if you lived on a cow corn farm 30 miles away from your town, you might have done it. Because <laughs> you're like, I need to do something. I am bored. <laughs> what do your parents think of the of the of of what you're doing? Oh well, they hate they. Uh, you know, they're very supportive of me, but they also do not like what I do. Kind of thing. Like, really, they're like, you know, they had a real hard time with the whitest kids. Like uh, really? the content. Um, you know, the albums <laughs> that I put out. You know, they have a real. So they're like, they're proud that it's successful. They're proud that I've like made a living, you know, um, but I think they wish that I, they love my Disney show. Oh, I bet they do. <laughs> yeah. So they wish I just did more so stuff like daughters. that. Are they watching? Yeah. 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 Well, not, I, they're probably aged out now they're online, right. mm-hmm. but when, when they, that just happened like within the fucking last 
six months. Oh, yeah. They have just stopped watching. Within the last probably year, they've started watching My 600 Pound Life, Say Yes to the Dress, <laughs> and then... And Narcos. Yeah, and Narcos. <laughs> um, but, they, but they were big Disney fans yeah. for, I mean, their whole childhood. And they're very young, despite... Yeah. I mean, they, <laughs> 13 11 are young, but they're young for their age. Hmm. So, um, yeah. Do you ever think... To your parents ever say stuff like you're so talented if you gave that talent to the lord you could really change lives that's subtext that's there that's there yeah that's a that's a thing um i mean no it's it's funny like when i when i when we first started doing whitest kids um my uh, it, would be, it would be on youtube my dad would go around and flag our videos <laughs> are you ap- serious it's inappropriate yeah and he'd call me and he'd be like i saw this video you put up and i just i thought it was really inappropriate i flagged it for youtube to take it down anyway that tree out back finally fell over like and just like jump back and like Shut thanks dad <laughs> yeah, like. do they come out to la much um they d- every now and then like every like maybe once a year yeah. I, I think more now than since i have uh, the kid yeah like they'll come out more um that's but, crazy yeah that's crazy uh, that's it's such an interesting story have you ever tried to write a christian rock song no, no, I you should. I, yeah, no, I haven't. No, <laughs> um, but it's. Uh, yeah, I think that would just make them more upset. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get you as a cameo on my uh, on my album. I love like that. Uh, like what do they what do the rappers call it? Like when uh, 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 guest verse? Or yeah, maybe? guest verse. Yeah, I I uh, I mean just back to the love of Jimmy Buffett. Like you know, oh like my god. When I, uh, during White is because I had a character that I was trying to get going called Warren Seaplane who was basically young Jimmy Buffett like yeah. that was the whole like <laughs> cabana musician kind of thing oh. and I had sold it to Super Deluxe remember Super Deluxe yes before the new Super Deluxe yeah. the original Super Deluxe like and I sold them the idea they were going to make a whole series about it and then it went under like the oh. but it's uh yeah. see I look at it like this is the way you tell me what you think what I like about and I'll, and I'll put, I'm going to put them all in the same category and it doesn't belong in the same category, but mm-hmm. like what, what like Jimmy Buffett and Bob Marley was it was simple chord structure, great storytelling, simple verses, yep. catchy, great title, you know, and didn't take itself too seriously. Bob Marley's a little different, but Jimmy Buffett never took himself too seriously. Yeah. And he is, he is a, uh, you know, he's a great, he, he uses words really well. Like, he's a you know, brand. Yeah. Like when you see Jimmy Buffett, you go. Oh, we're going to have day drinks today. Yeah. And oh. he's smart. Like he like he hits, you know, he'll do a song for each coast. And then he was like, what about the Midwest? He's like, ah, boat drinks. Yeah. A song about just sitting on a lake in a boat like that. And like, that's going to, and you know, uh, you know, stepped on a pop top, blew out my flip flop, had to turn around and go home. Like, you know, everything about that character yep. just with those like simple lines. Like, you know, he's really good at, at, at writing lyrics. My, all my titles are coming up or like. I was like, I, to this morning I was laying in bed. I'm, I've been in bed all fucking day. And uh, I was laying in bed and I was thinking of like titles I want. Mm-hmm. Like, cause, but it's things that are applicable in my life that I know I can write about. Right. And one of them is uh, I can't find my sunglasses. 
because I always can't find my sunglasses. Yeah. And so I was like, I'll just write a song about not being able to find my sunglasses. <laughs> and like wanting to go out and go drink, but I can't find my sunglasses. And I'm just in the house. Where the fuck are my sunglasses? That's great. That's why I have two pairs of sunglasses. I, I actually buy three pairs of sunglasses and lay them around the house because I can never find my sunglasses. <laughs> it's the one thing, if I, if, you, if I could ever say, if you get money, get yourself a couple pairs of sunglasses and let them float around the house. You get one for every room. Yeah. And just so you go, oh, huh. Flashlights, dude. I might have 40 fucking flashlights. You know what the best thing, my, my friend turned me on to this, is uh, phone chargers. Buy a phone charger oh for every room of your house. It is a life changer. Dude. It is, it is the best <laughs> thing you can do. Segura, um, I, my, do you know who Tom Segura is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I heard him one time talking to his wife when they were in their new house and they had the phone charger in the wall, but it didn't reach the bed. So in order to get their phone charged in the middle of the night, they had to go plug it into the wall and then leave it on the ground like 10 feet away from their bed and all of a sudden he realized he goes like wait I can afford phone chargers yes <laughs> like that's the greatest can I tell you another thing that I love mm. uh, extension cords uh, I buy I bring extension cords on the road with me so you plug an extension cord into the, the socket it's got three plugs you bring it into your bed you plug up your phone your computer all your stuff in your bed extension cords that's good I've yeah I've, I've been I've been pretty good lately one hitters I take one hitters. I get these great glass one hitters. You hit them once and you get it. And I'm done. Really? I don't have to take them on the. It's like fucking two dollars. Yeah. And so I'll keep it for the weekend. If I want to smoke weed, I'll take. I'll use that to smoke weed, and then I just leave it there. I throw it out. I remember seeing some article. It was about Justin Timberlake, and it was the the, the tone of the article was like, "This is how wasteful, like you know, what a like diva kind of thing." And it was he never wears the same pair of underwear or socks twice. And when I read that, I was like. That's a great idea. Like yeah. if I had if I had the money to just kind of like oh. waste it like that, because nothing's better than like new underwear or new socks. Like you know why? Like it's incredibly wasteful. But I get it. I get it. Yeah, I I, uh, I love when you find little hacks like that. Like when you go, oh, I could just I can do this. Like yeah. I have flashlights everywhere. I have knives everywhere. Um, I buy uh, tons of of Pepsi Complete. So that I'm never like, there's no worse feeling than having heartburn in the middle of the night, right? And not being able to find Pepsi, Pepsi complete, and just being like, "Where the fuck is it?" <laughs> Same thing with my Rogaine. I have Rogaine fucking everywhere because I always run out. Yeah, and it's not, you know, I also believe in the fact like if you buy a, a vacuum, get the nice one. And yeah. the, we've had the same vacuum for 13 years. But a really expensive vacuum. My dad's like, you're a fucking idiot. No one spends $900 on a, va on a vacuum. My sisters bought a vacuum at the same time. They spent 150 bucks on a, on a vacuum. They've had probably 20 vacuums. Yeah. Because they just are cheap. They break down. We've had this one vacuum, a Malay, Malay, mm -hmm. Malay, I think. We've had it the whole fucking time. Yeah. It hasn't broke. That's what electronics. You always just. Get top end. Dude. And it, it'll last. It works out in the <laughs> my end. My wife got cell phones and I go, hey, uh, uh, she got the new iPhone X's. I go, don't get the bullshit fucking 32 gigabytes. Get the most <laughs> gigabytes they have. Yes. I don't ever want to be in a position where I'm erasing videos so I can record a sunset. <laughs> I want more. I go, I don't give a shit. She's like, yeah. it's just, you don't need it. I go, I need it. If you, and then every time she gets a cheap one, she goes, God, I, my thing's out of memory. How, yep. Can you help me? I'm like, no. <laughs> That's what you get for being a... Do you do the insurance plan on, on phones? No, um, I don't know. I don't I'm know. I'm never sure what to do on that situation. I have um, Apple... Apple Care? Apple Care. Mm, okay. Um, so I do the Samsung. 
Okay. Yeah. And uh, I always... It's, it's I like nice. I live dangerously. It's, well, I went through this phase. I sat next to this guy on this plane one time, and he, um, he didn't have a, a case on his phone. That's what I do. Really? No case. Look how broken my screen is. <laughs> Look oh at my. all the cracks on it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I said to him, I said, um, oh, you don't have a case on your phone? He goes, no, I'm a man. I said, what? And he goes, I take care of my things. When I walk into a meeting, <laughs> I put my phone on the table. People see that there's no case and they see my phone's in great shape. They know I'm a man that I can take care of my stuff. Wow. He goes, I look at you with your phone case. And he goes, I just think, oh, he drops his phone a lot. What kind of life does he live? I was like, yeah. So I got rid of my phone case. Stop using a phone case. And I was like, it made me feel confident. And I'd, t- I'd give you that speech. And then one week, I broke my phone three times. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I'm done. I'm going cases. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. No, it makes sense. Like, yeah. My, I've never had a screen that's not broken, but I still don't use the case. I've never, I've never used a. F- if a phone breaks, I immediately go get a new one. Like oh, really? I, I cannot use a broken screen. Case. Oh, I can deal with it for real. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just start, like even down to the, like the touching. Like, well, I can't touch that side of the screen now. Oh, like, I'll, my. I'll run my phone into the ground. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. I'm, I, I think I'm on my phone so much. The second anything goes wrong with it, I get a brand new phone. I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't do that. I can't do that. I got a new, I got the new Apple laptop. I fucking hate it. Oh, you, the one with the the it's the, the four keypad. ports. Yep, I got the same one. And I'm like, it's the four same ports, and so I need all these attachments. Well, I got the yeah, I got an adapter that goes into the side ports that has everything the HDMI. Yeah, and all I that got stuff that too. And I, but I, I broke in two of them. Oh, really? Yeah, actually, you know, I fucking put it in my bag and then yeah, yeah. I'm I a fucking mess. I don't like the keys. Well, I like the old ones that push down. The new yeah. ones, the the butterfly keys. Not yeah. into it. And I don't like the top little. Uh, bar where I, like, I, I gotta open up the volume and yeah I, I don't like that bar either I like that I could just hit volume the fuck <laughs> progress doesn't need to go this far yeah it's I, not always progress <laughs> I don't like the 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 uh, the climate right now where it's not cool to call people and you have to text I think that's regression because I think so too. people are always misunderstanding tone. Um, and it also takes a long time like to, to write all this stuff out and like, yeah. you know, and then it takes like eight texts to do what I could do in 10 seconds on a phone. So yeah, Joey Diaz, one of my buddies, Joey Diaz will not text you. Yeah. The only phone call. I get and, that. And I'm, I'm, I have, I have a theory. This is not popular. I'm telling you right now, don't get anyone get upset, but I believe that it is linked to autism. Meaning autism is the quickening of the human, meaning uh-huh. everyone's distant. Like, uh, uh, and I'm, I'm, I just had this conversation with someone on my wife's podcast who has an autistic kid and believes that that is the future, that with the way we're going, where everyone's getting into their own bubble and no one's, you don't need gregarious. You don't need the PT Barnums anymore. The, right. The, like the, the. Every, everything's all in your own you get your groceries online you get everything delivered you don't really need to leave the house right but I believe it's something so it's like an evolutionary step <laughs> yeah like a Darwinism hmm. is that is that autism wouldn't have and I mean I'm, I'm sure there were artistic people in like the 1600s right I'm sure there were but it was m- much more difficult to function in society in the 16, 1800s right autistic as it is today where you're like oh they can definitely give them an iPad they can do everything yeah that by the way I understand I'm if you're an autistic kid I'm simplifying everything and I apologize I don't mean to I'm right. talking about in a broad stroke that was my idea hmm. and I said it to my wife's friend who has an autistic kid she goes oh I completely believe that that's what it is that wow. it's evolutionary that's interesting 
Yeah, I wish I had any stat to back that up. I have none. Yeah. But yeah. It's a good theory. Yeah, I... Uh, you should write a paper on it. I mean, I, I can I can go... Uh, or I'll just post it I'll on my... I'll peer review it. I'll, I'll post it on my Instagram. <laughs> I look at people like... I thought you were going to say... I thought you were going to say, um, I'm not comfortable with where we're going in progress with women's rights. And I was like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working on a bit trying to say that um, I didn't ask to be born like this. Like, I mean, I, like an immediate like offense to all women like like raised like i have a friend jen kirkman who yeah. always posts videos about men don't ever ask a woman if she needs help like don't ever ask a woman if she needs help right that's that's condescending i'm i'm a i'm an individual i can do it myself i was never doing that anyway well <laughs> i always do it like if i go if i'm on a plane and i see a woman with a heavy bag oh, and really? she's putting the overhead i always I, but i grew up in the south you did too yeah i know but i'm i i just i just uh uh i i think it's more i think if it's more of a flaw than anything but i just yeah. i'm just not helpful I I watched I purposely didn't I watched a woman struggle yesterday really and I was like I just Jen had just posted a video about it and I was like you know what not helping I'm following you Jen and this woman was like can anyone help me and I was like sorry ma'am you're a lady you got you got as much as an opportunity <laughs> as like, that is sexist yeah that's sexist that you want help you the fact that you're struggling right now makes me sickened by you as a human my friend Jen could do it by herself but <laughs> I ended up getting up and helping her anyway. It was a heavy fucking bag. Oh, really? Do you want to hear something horrible? We'll wrap this up. I'm we're, now we're I'm just rambling. One time I was on a plane going from, and I'm amazed you have not smoked yet. Oh yeah, I'm amazed. I've done pretty good, right? Really good, really good. <laughs> well, we started the thing before I asked if you were able to to, to smoke in here, and then I was like, uh, I d you did? No. What? No, never. Go ahead. No, did you ask me? No, I was like, we started before I at before I would ask, oh. and then I was like, oh, I'll just I can get through it. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, I one time was getting on a flight from Canada to Phoenix, yeah. Edmonton to Phoenix, and I had a roller bag and I went to put it up and it slid and it landed on a dude's face and broke his glasses and bro oh, didn't break his nose, but bloodied his nose and he lost his shit on me. Oh my God. Rightfully so. I was super apologetic. But what I didn't know is he had just lost his shit on the flight attendant. And that the flight attendant didn't know I dropped the bag on it. So you were the karma. I was karma. And uh, so I said to him, sir, I apologize. It's my fault. I, uh, let me, please, let me at least pay for your sunglasses, your, your glasses. He's like, you couldn't afford these glasses. And in my head, I'm like, buddy, I'm sitting in front of you in first class. I can definitely <laughs> afford your fucking glasses. And he's like, <laughs> these glasses are $800. And I, I happen to have sold t-shirts. Mm-hmm in Canada so I had like $4,000 Canadian on me and I pulled out $4,000 Canadian and counted off $800 and I go here you go and he was like he didn't expect that and then he in the middle of the flight he came back gave me 400 bucks he goes they're, they're not $800 they're, oh. they're $400 and I was I have a new pair ordered already these are, are not my nice pair and then I was like okay but they cops were waiting for him when he got off oh really yeah because he was so he was really demeaning to the flight attendant oh wow he thought that I did that on purpose that the flight attendant had said to me when you go to your seat throw your bag on his face Really? Yeah, and I was like, no, I'm like, that, that would do. never fucking happen. <laughs> By the way, I saw I saw an interaction with a flight attendant and a guy this week weekend. He got in and he asked the male flight attendant something, and the male flight attendant said, "Huh?" And then the guy went Phew, and just walked past him. And I was like, wait, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> fucking the world's changing. So, twenty four hours on Facebook. 
24 hours. Your special airs 11 o'clock at night? Midnight. Midnight on Friday. Yeah. Midnight on Friday. And um, what are you going to do to celebrate for it? I'm going to be so tired because oh, like yeah. I'm going to be up for 24 hours going right into it. I think we're going to have like a, a party for it somewhere, but I'm going to be exhausted by then. But uh, yeah, tune in to the, to the 24 hour thing and, <laughs> and please watch the special. Yeah. I will, we'll put this up tomorrow and I'll make sure to yeah. promote it at the beginning of the podcast and talk about it or not yeah. tomorrow, um, Wednesday night. And I'll talk about this at the beginning. Uh, I wish I could, I wish I still had Gillen's number. I got one quick plane story. Oh, please tell me. Uh, So this just happened to me a couple months ago. But I was on, um, and I think about it probably every day. I mean, I think I tell this story all the time. But I was on the, the, getting ready to fly back. I was doing some show at a club and then coming back to L.A. And there was this one dude who was just wasted, like uh, uh, waiting to get on the plane. And he's drunk, like you can smell it on him. He's like loud and yelling. He's like, oh, this guy's going to get bounced. Like he's, there's no way they're going to let him on the plane. And they're calling the rows and putting everyone in. And then he says like the wisest thing I've ever heard, which is he goes, this is stupid. He was like, this is how they should board the plane. Everyone with a window seat gets on first. Everyone with a middle seat gets on second. <laughs> Everyone on the aisle gets in third. That way no one's going past each other and trying to get to And I was like, why, is, why aren't we doing it that way? How did this drunk guy just fix the whole airplane? Yeah, why thing? does first class go on first and then everyone gets to, pass, to prance past them like as you were, keep going, yeah. keep it moving. It should absolutely be <laughs> windows first, middle seat yeah. second, aisles third, and then we get out of here. Like, I've never had an idea that smart. No, and it's just this guy who was just drunk off his ass, yelling, and no one was listening to him. <laughs> oh... I've been drunk off my ass. I did a video the, uh, this other week and I said, here, I was going and getting ready to board and I go, here's the uncomfortable part is I'm first class. So for, they board first class first, but there's everyone lines up like, like there's like they're like that lines matter. They board by number. Like everyone should be seated. Yeah. They don't do that in Europe. Actually in Europe it's probably worse, but, and I go, here's the awkward part. And I'm doing the thing is I got to walk past people who don't think I look like I belong in first class and right. it's going to get weird. And I roll past I'm doing another video and I'm rolling past this guy and I'm like, excuse me, are they boarding first class yet? And I'm doing the video and he looks at me and goes, yeah, and I'm sitting first class and I'm waiting in the line and you're right behind me. And I went, ooh, I'm not posting that video. (laughs) 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 I've I've had it where Chris Porter, the comedian, Uh saw me. I do it all the time, but I do it. I I do excite. Lines give me anxiety. Right. Lines give me anxiety. And the idea that the way the line's set up is like everyone just believes that if they're at the front of the line, they'll be able to board first. But right. they don't board it that way. They board group one. Yeah. And so I'm in group one. And so I've got to like maneuver through. So I almost duck my head and barrel through the fucking people. I just go, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then when people give me attitude, I go, I'm, I'm sitting first class. Mm-hmm. And Chris Porter watched me do it and mocked me so fucking bad. <laughs> he walked past me in first class. He goes, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I'm first class. I'm first class. And mocked me to my face. And he was like, that was so obnoxious. And I was like, oh, I know, I know. But I, could, I can't. <laughs> Part of me goes, if I don't do that, then I'm sitting behind some Guatemalan lady who doesn't understand how we board planes. And right. she's like, oh, I'll get on next. No. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I don't want to fly this fucking week. Ugh. Um, all right, we should probably wrap this up. My kids are probably wondering where their dad is. Okay. Um, hey, congratulations. Thank you. And I mean, I don't say this lightly. That fucking 
Uh, that song blew me the fuck away. Oh, it was so amazing. I'm so excited for your special. Thank you so I'm much. I'm excited to see what the next project you do is. Cool. I yeah. mean, you're one of those guys that it's like you'll be you're fun to follow. Oh, well, and thank hit you. up Rogan. Get back on Rogan. That was a great episode. Yeah, I had fun. I had fun doing that. that was, it's, yeah. it's been a year. It's been a while. It's been a couple of years. Yeah. 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 You gotta hit him up. Text okay. him or hit him up on uh after this. Everyone uh everyone hit up Rogan on this and say, um, because you guys really got along great. That was a great episode. Uh he was uh, yeah, I I had never met him. How uh, did you guys link up? Um it was just uh I think it was I think uh I don't know. <laughs> it was it was I was told to go there. <laughs> oh, it was fucking perfect. <laughs> yeah, but it was great. I mean I love I love his show. Like yeah, uh, he's yeah. the best man. Yeah, he's, he's he's the such best. A nice dude. I gotta get you on Tom and uh Christina's show. Your yeah. mom's house. That's a fun one to do. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, I'll hit up Tom and uh, and Christina and let them because you guys would get along great. Oh, cool. And they love they they probably you could probably talk about. Uh, I didn't know I was pregnant for an hour with them. Oh, good. Well, so then I guarantee I, you that's I, their favorite that's show. That's my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations, brother. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.